What did I tell you defines an emergency? Uh, large meteoroid, severe blood loss, and uh, what was the other thing? A podcast. And it's grant work. All the trees, which were then uh, placed in something of a, I suppose you'd call it a tree museum, and they then charged people a quid and a half to see them, which is quite a lot, really, just for looking at a tree. No, no, no. Wouldn't you say that it always seems to go that you don't really know what you've got until, well, it's gone, frankly, at which point you find that they've paved paradise, and in its place they've put up a car park where you can leave your lorries and your shopping trolleys and grant work the only podcast about the famed british leading man hugh grant that got you some milk duds uh <laughs> wow uh <laughs> i am your host think you're gonna stumble your way all the way through that but go ahead i uh, no 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 and i'm I, I'm, I'm still <laughs> stumbling now even in my normal voice i am your host truman caps with me as always my co-host Landon Solano. Yes, uh, it's hard to it, after all these these episodes. It's it's hard once you get into that Hugh Grant impression. It's hard to shake off the stuttering, isn't it? I, Even I know, in your I, normal voice. The more that I stammer in an American accent, I basically feel myself becoming Bob Newhart, which I guess is a good thing, really, because <laughs> I always have different been. different charm levels uh, for sure. I mean, yeah, maybe so. Although I, I think that a good, uh, like, once we're done, uh, you know, recapping all the films of Hugh Grant, I think that we should go back then and recap all of the films as though it were Bob Newhart in the lead role. So, like, Bob Newhart's <laughs> Four Weddings and a Funeral. You know? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, Bob- <laughs> if For nothing else, to hear Bob Newhart's Fuck Fest. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. I, I want to see I want to see Bob Newhart in Sirens being just like awkward and horny oh, no. about Elle McPherson the entire time. I think I think that that would God. that would enhance the film as as much as Hugh Grant enhanced it in the first place. The 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 awful thing about that is that I can awful. picture that in my head so vividly. Um, we have a loaded show for everyone today. Uh, we are. In 2002, we are in the throes of Hugh Grant's romantic period in Hollywood. Mm, 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 Um, However, we've got a little preamble this week that uh, I think is some interesting... Okay, you might have seen this news item, and so, Truman, I'm not telling you any news, and obviously, listeners to the show, longtime listeners, are going to get this, you know, a week after the news has been announced, so this is a surprise to no one, but... yeah. As of the recording of this, how exciting is it? We talked about this back um, a couple episodes ago. At yeah. the turn of the century, he was um, – oh God, what episode was it? Right, was it right around Notting Hill uh, that Hugh Grant was in talks to take over the mantle of Doctor Who? Oh, and yes, he yes, ultimately yes. passed on it, and it went to Christopher Eccleston. Mm-hmm. Now the news comes out in 2022 – that Hugh Grant might be taking over the mantle of Doctor Who from Jodie Whittaker in a kind of Doctor Who revamp that they want to do a kind of Marvel universe out of the Doctor Who franchises. Uh, a Marvel Who-niverse, if you will. <laughs> I... Now, now, 
it needs to be said as well, uh, right before the Notting Hill episode, we covered the Doctor Who uh, Red Nose Day special. Yes. <laughs> the Curse of Fatal Death. Yes. Uh, where he played a doctor. So this is just a weird, like, art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life. And, 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 okay, well, you, your your words started to break down there. You started to stammer <laughs> yourself a into, into, a, into a death spiral. I, I, I think that... <laughs> I think to call it uh, to to call it art imitating life, life imitating art. What we do here on Grant work is not art, but I, 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 I so I think we should just we should just call it life imitating Grant work. Um, I think I, you know, but look, we were I, I I think that that is huge news, and I'm very excited yes. by that news, and I'm glad we're discussing it. Can we will? other things into existence now by talking about them on, on maybe the like like what what if i don't know is there like can we talk about maybe an episode where hugh grant comes on a podcast like like is there is there a tv show <laughs> or a movie where hugh grant think... plays a famous person who talks to his two biggest fans who have a podcast yes. about him and then would, you, would that happen? you are the closest <laughs> you your impression is the closest we get to that <laughs> I mean, I'm still holding out that we get Gene Hackman on from our Extreme Measures episode. I, I don't think he's coming out of retirement to talk to us for a movie he was in conservatively uh, 10, 15 minutes of. Look, dude, just because you retire from making movies doesn't mean you retire from making podcasts about the movies. That's that's, that's all That's all I'm going to say. It's and all just, he does is in retirement is <laughs> writes Western novels and <laughs> goes on podcasts to talk about his Supporting roles as villains in forgettable 90s thrillers. And look, and I also think that just because Hugh Grant has blocked both of us on Twitter from our, you know, <laughs> we I think and I think we agree like a season or two ago we were a little yeah. too aggressive in asking him questions for the Hugh Grant question corner section yeah. of every what episode. It, what is it when when somebody uh oh, not Shadow um Calls you out, like when someone is, uh, uh, they tweet about your show, like our show, oh, but they, they they tag him in the tweet. Well, was well, it is it is it subtweeting us? They, they nah, it's not subtweeting. It's like calling us out. Oh oh, snitch uh, tweet that we got snitch, snitch tweet. Yeah, yes. Switch, yeah, we got a lot of that. So I, I'm not taking the full responsibility of uh, getting blocked. <laughs> I think that our fans had a lot to do with that. And look, Grantheads are a um, they're a. <laughs> They're they're a passionate fan base. I I will I will it's give true. you that. I will give you that. Um, but no, look to to bring it all back around though. Uh, exci- yep. Exciting stuff that Hugh Grant mm-hmm. could be the next Doctor Who because you're basically uniting the two most British things that American people know about: <laughs> Doctor Who and Hugh Grant. They should call it Doctor yes. Hugh. Uh, honestly, that's and 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 just do the total merger. <laughs> do you think? Do you think that he'll stammer as the Doctor? I think well, you know his his more modern stuff better than I do. I he's kind of aged out of the stammering. There's not a, there's not a huge amount of stammering in the movie we covered this week. I'll I'll give you that. I was ready with my stammer count, and I didn't get as many as I thought I would. Yeah, it's still there. Um, it's still there. I mean, there's some, but you. I, look, mean, I he, went. He is, as we've discussed in the past, he is in. He's doing a Hollywood movie, and we all know that the stammering started basically when he entered Hollywood. I, I went back after watching this, and I rewatched some of Notting Hill, and I was shocked at how much more stammering there is in Notting Hill. And I, yeah. I, I don't know. He's, I, he's basically a Richter scale recording. In that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like a maybe it's a Charles Dickens thing, and he got paid by the stammer on that movie. But uh, 
he got he got paid every time he had to restart a sentence he got more money like he was paid by the sentence so starting more of them got him got him more more uh, quid is it a new sentence or is it just a really long run on sentence that's that's a question for for linguists and not for okay. uh, not for podcasters <laughs> i guess um, so so moving on from dr hugh um why don't we tell them what we're covering this week okay this week on the podcast grant work we are covering the 2002 film two weeks notice starring ding ding ding, ding, ding. I, you know what? Look, I love not, the, not from the not from the the movie at all. Just a song that came from my heart. Thinking about Hugh Grant puts a song in your heart. The song that's <laughs> been in my fucking head since I watched this movie, as evidenced by our our intro, is "Goddamn Big Yellow Taxi," a song that yes. I hate. It is so bad. It is so completely <laughs> on the nose for what this movie is te- about. You texted me that earlier, and I. <laughs> Went and uh, spread it to other people. It amused oh, really? me so much that it pissed you off that I, <laughs> I went and got it in other people's heads. Now, now, now listen. Now listen. Here's what. Here's here's the thing that happened is that yeah. all last night after watching two weeks notice, I'd be sitting around trying to do other things, trying to play a video game, trying to to do whatever other shit I do in my evening, trying to eat dinner. And I just hear yeah. like, you don't know what you got till it's gone, and just like, but the same, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Like the it's same, just that like, part. But if you're lucky, if you're lucky, it goes that. Well, and this is the thing. It wasn't going there, but so I just had the same seven seconds of it stuck in my head. I go to sleep. Sleep is a is a respite from the torture of Big Yellow Taxi. I have texted you that thing before I go to bed. I yeah, wake up yeah. in the morning to see a text from my friend Landon. And I'm like, oh, Landon, you know, hey, you know what? Friends are treasures. I love to communicate with my friends. I wonder what my friend Landon texted me. Landon, who loves me so much. I've woken up refreshed. I'm not thinking about fucking Big Yellow Taxi for the first time in a solid 12 hours. And he has just texted me, ooh, wop, wop, wop. Immediately it comes rushing back. Immediately. And I've been besieged by fucking Big Yellow Taxi all day. The, I, I, oh my God, dude. Uh, the, you, you've heard of the video game Crazy Taxi. Well, this taxi has driven me crazy. <laughs> oh my god! If you've heard well, the famous catchphrase from the show Taxi, thank you very much. More like no, thank you. I don't want this taxi. Very much, thank you. Yes. Um, let me give a quick synopsis yeah. of this movie before we dive into it. Uh, if you are okay with that, can I do yeah, that, Truman? Yeah, no. Give, give, give us a synopsis before I dive off of the top of my apartment building to stop hearing Big Yellow Taxi. Okay, I actually think I got this in one sentence, but okay, <laughs> I can't make any promises. Let's try. <clears throat> Here we go. <clears throat> a liberal idealist workaholic lawyer without a personality is duped by a conservative real estate mogul into abandoning her morals, changing her very core values, and believing she is ever. Uh, she has never experienced love until he came along because she helps him pick out which pants he's going to fuck in. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's pretty close. <laughs> I, my, I, uh, you know, my, I, I have, I actually have a synopsis that I put together of my own. Oh, okay. Um, okay. This is a movie where a billionaire property developer ruins his employee's life, forcibly holds her mouth closed so she can't talk, and she falls in love with him. <laughs> Oh, Truman, I got problems with this movie. <laughs> it's this movie is uh not great. It's not uh, a I'm not with gonna all lie. respect it, to Hugh. It's been a slap in the face. And I and I have theories why. Um but it's been a slap in the face after the hugely like classic 
Olympian style trend we've been on uh, yes. of his last couple films. Yes. Coming off of <laughs> about a about boy, a boy, we had <laughs> Bridget Jones's Diary recently. Yes. Uh, and we, we we don't really need to talk about small time crooks anymore. <laughs> do we? I, I, you know, you know, yeah, a different podcast in a different time. Maybe we would. Yeah. Now and and of course the major surprise to me that was Mickey Blue Eyes. I, yes, I know you yeah, were kind no. of on the fence about some of it, but we were no, no. I mean, I get it. Like I had I had certain complaints, but like I think we were all a little surprised by how good this completely forgotten Grant movie was. <laughs> the, the, the I still laugh my ass off at the fortune cookie scene. I can't and and Hugh Grant's <laughs> doing. <laughs> doing the, the mafia accent is just, I, it still gets me and then that's of course after notting hill yeah it is very jarring the forget drop. about it <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fucking funny to me sorry you you almost think was that why they made the movie to get him to do the mafia <laughs> accent like they just reverse engineered a movie from like what's the weirdest thing we can make Maybe. you grant do well, I mean, it holds water with, you know, all of the other Hollywood movies he's been in. How do we make an Englishman a fish out of water in America? Uh, mm. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I, one thing that I do kind of love about this movie, and, and I use love loosely, is that it's like, yeah. yeah, he and his brother are British, but they live in New York. And there's never really, I mean, I guess you don't need an explanation of why a British person would live in New York. But he's these, right. these very upper crust wealthy Brits just who, yeah, no, 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 we, we just live in New York and we're American property developers. It, it, you know, at this point, Hugh Grant is such an institution that that Americans yeah. can can figure out like, okay, there must be some backstory for why he came to America. I don't need to know it. Just stammer for me, well, daddy. Yeah, put a put, earmark that because I want to come back to that in just a minute after we do some specs about this movie. Uh, this was released, and I think it's important to state this: uh, December twentieth, two thousand two. Yep, and was written and directed by Mark Lawrence. Mark Lawrence. Now, he has gone on. Mark Lawrence went on to do. Um, well, he just came off of Miss Congeniality, writing yes. that with Sandra yes. Bullock, uh, and then would go on to do music and lyrics, which we'll cover mm. soon. Yes, oh uh, boy. Did you hear about the Morgans, which we'll cover soon? I, I didn't and, hear about the Morgans. Uh, the rewrites with Hugh Grant, which we'll cover, well, I guess soon, I'm saying in relative terms, because yeah. that's 2007, 9, and 14. So y You want to talk about rewrites, here's a movie that could have used one, am I right, folks? You are right. I speak for all folks everywhere. Um, here's the thing. Now, my initial thought, I, I'm going to admit something, German. I watched this movie twice. <laughs> and like I texted you when you told me that before we started recording, I'll say it again. You sick fuck. <laughs> I, I wanted to see if maybe it was just the mood I was in when I watched it the first time. It wasn't. No. Now, no. The first time I watched it, and I learned something between the two, though. The first time I watched it, I thought the, my my initial thought was America has not been the same since they did Sandra Bullock this dirty. <laughs> but here's what I learned um, a second time is that Sandra Bullock is a producer on this yes. movie. Yes, she, she found this material for herself. She wanted this movie to get made, and and in fact, well, I mean, look. Uh, the 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 director Mark Lawrence. This is the first movie he directed, but he, yeah, he'd written a bunch of Sandra Bullock vehicles, so they had a relationship. I feel like she was instrumental in getting him the directing job on this movie to the movie's detriment. To the movie's detriment. Now, okay, let's okay, let's just 
get those Notting Hill diving goggles out and just jump right into the deep end here. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think we're covering the question of how did we feel about this movie. Yeah, it's not great. It's not a great movie. It's, it's, it's not I mean, very it's, good. It's, this movie, it's not, any, it's not there, Night Train to Venice, but it's no, not good. No, that was our lowest point on the podcast. Night Train to Venice is a very, very bad movie. However, <laughs> this movie, much like Night Train to Venice, it still felt to me kind of like a student film. It really did. It felt like a, a better... Like, Night Train to Venice yeah. felt like an experimental up-its-own-ass student film. This feels like a student film by probably one of the more promising students in the film school, but one who is nonetheless... 10 years away from making good <laughs> movies. Um, yes. It, it, it's funny you say that. Cause like, I feel the same way. If I think about the script and I'm like, you know what? It hits all the marks technically. Um, maybe one more pass on the, on, you know, the script, but yeah. I think in the hands of a different director, it would have a been able to squeeze out a little more personality in just the mise en scène. If you want to get mm. very fancy, if you want to go back to our early fancier days mm. uh, at the beginning of this podcast, um, fans work. But I think that a, a more experienced director would have been able to pull out different performance details that yes. would have made this congeal a little bit better to go oh sandy you're coming off a little too cold to relate to here uh <laughs> hugh you're coming off a little too sociopath My, why don't you smile maybe once in this movie <laughs> i think that like there, there's a certain amount of this movie that is just it's 2002 uh, America is still pretty traumatized from some stuff that happened in New York City last year. Yeah. And there's just a bunch of shit about, like, this movie just is not destined to age well just in general. Like, there's nothing about a movie about an employee <laughs> who falls in love with her manipulative, emotionally abusive boss. No aspect of that is going to age well. A lot of well, things... Well, well... Okay, well, okay, make your point and then I'm going to come back to that. Okay, what, I, what I'm what i going to say is that, like, a lot of that isn't going to age well. There are moments in the script, like, aspects of the writing. There are moments that this movie shines. There are lines mm -hmm. that are funny. There are bits of dialogue that come off charming. And a lot of that is that Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock are just good at what they do. And I think that Mark Lawrence is a good writer. It's yeah. just it's just whenever this movie is successful, it is it is because it has triumphed over the shittiness of the directing. It is it is a you are almost you are it, it is even more of a testament to the good work of the actors uh, that, that that they can break through the movie working against them doing their best work. But this is Sandy Bullock and this is Hugh Grant. Yeah. This should be working on such a higher level such a like deliriously totally euphoric level totally that agree. it just doesn't and we saw in bridget jones how <laughs> how the content can transcend the me too movement mm. and politics of 2022 he played renee zellweger's boss in yes. that they fell in love there yes was totally non-pc romance going on in that and, but and he was at his smarmiest charmiest grantiest grant in that he was doing his grantiest work <laughs> also i'll point out the the next movie we're going to do next week's movie uh, uh love actually where he plays yes. the prime minister who falls in love with his assistant like he's on a run yes. of playing bosses getting into romantic relationships with employees and yet as, even though we we acknowledge how problematic love actually is it's still a movie that we can go back to and enjoy in spite of that yeah, yeah and this same with bridget jones's diary yes exactly it, the thing that doesn't translate here. Okay, so 
one is uh, that I think it's the actual politics, the the idea that a liberal uh, protester versus a conservative real estate mogul a could fall in love, you know, even just socioeconomically, <laughs> yeah. let alone politically. I, I think we are in a post, uh, uh, you know, apolitical household. <laughs> society at this point i agree that we're in a post apolitical household society i'm kind of question whether we would call hugh grant's character in this conservative so much as just wealthy and aloof the only reason that we have to assume that he's conservative is there's a picture of him as a child hanging out with richard nixon which is hilarious (laughs) by the way the thought of like what this this stammering british millionaire heir is just like oh mr nixon meet meet this young boy (laughs) all right well let's dive into some of the scenes here because i there's some points i want to make about his character uh i think you you have a good good point about that there isn't so much conservativeness uh conservatism on his part uh, more than just the kind of like capitalist uh looking out for his finances and money trumps all oh i wish i had said that word oh you used the word he said it i did did it that's the secret word (laughs) um yeah because there's another thing in this in this movie that we will talk about when we get to it my fingers burned off typing a note about that This this movie about the world of New York property development has some stuff in it that is hard for us to talk about in oh. this day and age. Okay. Awful tr- jump scare. I oh, almost said boy. a Trump scare. Uh, okay, well, you've given away what the thing is, although I guess you already did by <laughs> saying it, and people could have guessed. Yeah, so yeah, so so kick us off. Kick us off, brother. What do you want to like, well, talk what, about what, first? What's, okay, I Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Hugh Grant's character, generally speaking. Sure. And I'll point out specific instances uh, throughout the film here, which is, I think, okay, so he clearly is a just inherently charming actor. Yes. And he is skating on his charm here. I don't think he's oh, leaning into it. He's almost playing this character as a, like, manic depressive <laughs> Like he he's a hollow shell of a man, and yes. I don't think it's necessarily intentional. So you look at the like the the second act trailer moments, which we're gonna play our game. Oh boy, <laughs> we're gonna pick out our trailer moments. Yes. Uh, where okay, here's a trailer moment. Um, they're in the bed shop, and mm-hmm. uh, oh, they're lying testing on the bed, the firmness of beds, right? And he starts yeah. bouncing. He's like, oh, but it is quite bouncy, and then starts bouncing around. He looks like he's having no fun with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I've done this this game before, right? Okay, so if I just bounce around and make a little goofy face, <laughs> it'll look like I'm actually falling in love. Are, are you doing Are you doing Ringo Starr? What the fuck is this? How long have we been making this podcast? You haven't even come close to a decent grand impression. Ugh. I mean, I'm gonna surprise you someday. <laughs> oh, whenever I get gloomy about the state of the world, George, I like to think about the arrivals terminal at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> <laughs> you went into a little bit of John Lennon there. <laughs> Don't hold Maybe me over so. the fire for my Ringo okay. too much. Yeah, okay, yeah, because we're not doing a podcast about the fucking Beatles. I can mix up my Beatles impressions. <laughs> um. So, yeah, he, he kind of just plays it as... I don't know, a little bit of a depressive. All of the big moments, it's just kind of like, you say aloof, and I think it's intended to be aloof, but it just comes off like almost apathetic. <laughs> 
Yeah, he he definitely seems like the crying on the inside sort of clown. Uh, he he seems like I don't know. It it puts me in mind of Bill Murray in Ghostbusters too, where it's very much like, well, I'm here and I'm doing the thing that you all like me doing, and I'm not putting my whole ass into it, and and most people won't even notice. Like it, I I think that <laughs> it's like he yeah, is, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it just it feels like okay. So we had Bridget Jones's Diary, where he played a, a boss wooing his his uh, subordinate. Mm-hmm. Then we had about a boy last week, where he played a rich uh, man child sort of character. And this feels like the third movie in a row where he's just kind of like combining all of those things together. And it just feels like Hugh Grant himself is not having fun with it. Like I think that he's still getting kind of his his sea legs, if you will, for like the new the new kind of character that he's playing. Like he's kind of coming into his. I, I think this like you know about a boy specifically is kind of the period when Hugh Grant stops being the stammering every man who you like because he's nice and more like oh this guy's kind of an asshole but you still like him because he's charming. Like I, I well, think I don't know he had that in Spades in in Bridget Jones. True. I okay. Okay. F- f- fair. Maybe. Maybe. He, okay. Maybe about a boy wasn't the first time he did that. Maybe Bridget Jones started that. But like, he, this is still coming off of. I mean, like the the roles that introduced him to America. Shit like four weddings yeah. and a funeral. I know Notting Hill. He was already a name, but like yeah. those are ones where it's like, oh, he's he's so nice. He's nine, just like me. And now nine it's months like, is exactly yeah that introduction to that character. Yes. Yes. And you know, it, it's now it's oh, he's not like me. But he's still funny. Like, he's a lovable scoundrel now. And I think that <laughs> Love Actually, which we have not covered yet, but which, you know, I'm familiar with. Right. He, he, Next he, week. He pull, like he pulls back on the scoundrel, but it's still like, oh, he like part of the humor is this guy who has so much clout is still so down to earth and uh, kind of affable. Right. Right. Here, Well, OK, so do you think he's affable in this movie? I do think he's affable in this movie. I hate. I. Mm. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of of the super wealthy. Uh, and yet in this movie, <laughs> yeah. where he's a super wealthy dude, like he doesn't well, do. All right, this... yeah. yeah. No. 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 He's. He's like. He's like the movie goes out of its way to paint him as no. This is a good. This is a good super rich guy. He gives the hot dog man a hundred dollars. He's. <laughs> he like his ex wife. He like you know after the whole argument in their in their divorce hearing or whatever he then proceeds right. to say have ha, you know we'll give you a hundred thousand dollars the full alimony agreement you can have one of the houses he is a generous person so I mean the movie is trying to make yeah. him likable let's talk a little bit about their intros both the, their separate introductions because sure. okay we've got Hugh Grant's introduction and like I guess the only thing we really I don't know. I I had a hard time placing him in this world, like mm-hmm. his character in this world. We're, we're introduced to him, you know, mostly just by. There's obviously the photographic montage at the beginning. Oh boy, is a thing of its own. Um, but once we are introduced to him in the actual movie, it's at that event, and mm-hmm. we're really just introduced through big photos of him, so we know that he's rich. But then the first time we see him interacting with someone, he's making a joke about pediatrics being the science of feet, or the, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, and then he immediately goes from that to making jokes about milk duds <laughs> when he's no, at no. his brother's house. Milk duds. That's how we pronounce them. Milk duds. Milk duds. <laughs> I, w- I would like some milk duds. That's that's how we're going to pronounce it from now on in this podcast, because we talk okay, about milk, milk duds constantly. Um, <laughs> milk duds. Yeah, there you uh, go. There you go. That's better. Ringo, get me some milk duds. 
I had a hard time placing how I was supposed to take his character. Like when he made the pediatric joke, I wasn't sure if he was playing an imbecile, like if he's yeah. supposed to be stupid <laughs> or if, you know, once he makes the milk dud joke, if he's like, oh, I'm the jokester and no one around me gets it character. And yeah. neither of those really congealed for me throughout the film. It's it's yeah it is it is strange because like his, the biggest thing about his character and he gives he gives kind of a window into this uh, I I don't know I, I at some point he's talking about how it's when they're talking on his on on Sandra Bullock's roof I guess about how no one oh God no, we're gonna talk about that scene no one has ever expected anything of him and how like how everyone thinks that he's a fuck up and how that's that's bad. But it's like it's not really clear why everybody thinks he's a fuck up because he's not okay dumb. He, he like he seems he, to be perfectly smart. He's kind of self centered, but also not that like it seems like he's just choosing to do all these things. It's not that he's self centered. Yeah, he just thinks it's amusing to call her out of a wedding to come help him pick a suit. Like here's yeah. here's an overarching issue with this movie, and okay, I, we'll we'll inter- we'll go through uh, Sandy's introduction as well because it touches on it, which is none of the periphery characters are defined. Even one-dimensionally. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and they so are 0.5 dimensional. There is no way to kind of understand. I didn't even under. I didn't catch that Sandra Bullock had a boyfriend in this movie. Yeah, that she had to break up with until the second time I watched it. Yeah. Oh, you didn't even you didn't catch it at all. It took me it took me a few scenes to realize that she was supposedly spoken for with her completely off-screen Vera we- Peterson ass boyfriend. <laughs> Two phone call boyfriend, <laughs> uh, one of which is a voicemail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, I think the problem with him is, like, the very first time I watched it, didn't quite get that the mustachioed guy, Peter Haig, from Love Action, or from Four Weddings and a Funeral, um, I didn't even get that that was his brother. I just oh. thought it was, like, the head of a company or a partner it, mm. it took me a long time to understand that it was his brother, and I'm like, "Why are you in the bathroom with your business partner flushing mm-hmm. the toilet? This is fucking weird." It's okay. weird, also, that it's with his brother, but still, he, he and his brother have a lot of weird familiarity. There's also a scene where it's like his brother in a towel, changing into his pajamas, <laughs> like putting the pajamas on underneath the towel. When it's like, dude, just stand in the next room. Let you like, why? why? <laughs> my my note there was. Why is this dude changing in front of Grant? Rich people are fucking weird. Okay, and and so you mentioned this. So there's this scene where it's uh, Hugh Grant and his brother are in the bathroom early on. His brother is in the shower explaining to him that oh, we've got to like you know we've got to do this this property deal to build these condos in Coney Island where the community center is. We need you to go there. Blah blah blah. But Hugh <laughs> right. Grant to get his brother's goat flushes the toilet to make the water turn super scalding hot in the shower. Now, this is a big, huge mansion. These are rich people. Um, wouldn't you think their plumbing would be good enough in their mansion <laughs> a that little that bit. wouldn't happen? Like, what? <laughs> I do. Although, although uh, I I hear stories that rich people get rich by cutting corners. So, oh, maybe maybe they 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 went with uh, some some old school cheap tactic plumbing. Uh, yeah, because have you also heard stories that rich people are super big on personal sacrifice for any reason whatsoever? Like, oh, yes, well, I'm going to put in <laughs> shitty plumbing in my own house, and I will suffer the consequences of that, but it's worth it so Fair I can save there. money. 
Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> same, the same, the same people who can't get behind any sort of uh, uh, green energy are going to be like, oh, yes, well, I'll have worse plumbing. Um, the the other thing with with the ill defined nature of him being his brother was that in the scene, and I know we're skipping around here quite a lot, but because we haven't really inter- talked about <laughs> Sandy's character yet, but in the scene where she's trying to quit and he won't let her, and she's trying to like torpedo her own job mm-hmm. and they have a, a business meeting with him with his yeah. brother hugh grant sandra bullock and his brother and she spits the gum out and i'm yeah. like she's she's treating it like oh i want to get fired or i don't care about this job mm-hmm. and then you know the obvious other another trailer scene where her hair gets stuck in a zipper yep and and walks in on them like because it's his brother the stakes of that are so much lower. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's not some impersonal outsider who only knows you as as a professional acquaintance. It's someone who you grew up right. with, who like you've probably both shit your pants around one another at, at on multiple occasions. I think you meant went in your pants. We don't say shit your pants yes. in this movie. <laughs> yes, we say went. You went in your <laughs> pants, which frankly is uh, that's an insult little... to actor George Went, if you ask me. <laughs> It's a, it's a little grosser in in a way. I don't it's, know why. What 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 Bush administration ass like like uh, Hayes code bullshit says that you can't you can't just talk if you're going to write a scene in your movie where a character is on the verge of shitting themselves. You need to like if, if you've. If you have made the choice narratively to put that in your movie, you have then also made the choice to talk about that in blunt terms. And, and okay, let's just dive into that scene if we're already talking about it. Yeah. Um, the scene, the scene for those of you who haven't watched the movie, where uh, uh, Sandra Bullock, who uh, co- eats compulsively when she's nervous, uh, has eaten a whole bunch, seeing Hugh Grant flirting with her soon-to-be replacement at the golf club, and then as they are driving home, she has to take a massive dump, but they're stuck in traffic, which is yeah, cl- classic romantic, you know, romance <laughs> fair. I don't know. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, it worked in in Bridesmaids, but none of the movie leading up to it set us up for that kind of humor. And yes. The general tone, like we were just coming off the tennis scene, which we'll get to in a minute, but um, the the general way they play the humor in this is like both character, like Sandra Bullock's character, Lucy, is so not able to laugh at herself Mm -hmm. and not able to play the heightened nature of her character that every bit of humor just seems to fall flat. Mm-hmm. So when you are introducing a shit my pants scene <laughs> into a movie and you're playing every joke flat, you have yeah. to rely on BTOs taking care of business to really drive home the point. <laughs> oh boy. That the, <laughs> you're about to take care of business. The 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 grossest royalty check ever written <laughs> to a to a record label. I tell you what, folks. The, <laughs> What make what makes that scene even more unpleasant? You know, they're they're on the highway. She's got to take a shit. They mm-hmm. they spot they spot the it RV. It starts raining. And he takes her to it. <laughs> when they get in the car. It's a sunny day. By the time they hit the freeway, it's just instant rain. I don't know how that happened. Is that yeah. a, a thing in New York? I, I guess so. Microclimate stuff. Look, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of of scene to scene continuity issues in this movie that we can discuss in a moment. But they see the 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 RV. They go to the RV. And there, uh, you know, and she she goes into it to take a to take a dump. And look, I'm going to be honest. I was skeptical about the scene at first. It is in a better movie. It's like, okay, this shows how much Hugh Grant 
cares about her and wants to help her that he masterminds this plan to like is it, it's, does he care about her or is he just have a fetish about watching people shit because he's like you could do it just go in the car just go if, just, if you, you could just go right now <laughs> i won't tell anyone i'll buy you a new volvo i don't yeah. my, my hugh grants sometimes yeah, goes yoko, into lauren michaels <laughs> yoko you can just you can just go in the car uh i'll buy you a new volvo what could they cost one million dollars <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you're getting close. Um, but like, okay, well, if he had if he had a fetish for watching people shit themselves, he would have been like, oh, I, I don't know, there's there's nothing we could possibly do. I guess I guess we'll just have to see. Like, he would have just waited it out. The fact that he he spots the RV and then masterminds yeah. the plan to like go and talk to these Kentucky people and and whatever and, and like make small talk with them while she poops, whatever. The, the the scene is like it is sort of it is sort of a nice moment like thinking about like okay well he you know he puts himself out there he's trying to help her he's trying to look out for whatever it's not great it's not super effective in a better movie that yeah. would be executed better she gets so but it's unpleasant just generally thinking about what's going on she gets in there she is about to to take a shit but she has to like pull down the because for some reason there's a window in the bathroom of this RV <laughs> I cannot imagine why and there's two dudes in a in a truck behind her, looking in at her, watching mm-hmm. her, seemingly very interested in watching this woman take a shit, which again is like it's like they're in they're in the the most fetishy neighborhood of New York City. Here. This movie has has uh, very <laughs> um, I don't know the word I, I'm looking for here uh, uh, unsavory thoughts towards women, generally speaking. Speaking of unsavory attitudes towards women, she is trying to close the blinds so she can take a shit without these two very eager truckers watching her. One of the two truckers is not this guy, but he looks so much like Louis C.K. That <laughs> in the, the driver. Does. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, you know what I mean. This, when I, I first do. saw it, I was like, we have to stop. We have to rewind. Is that Louis C.K. in a bit part playing the voyeuristic truck driver? Like, that... <laughs> Like the scene, the scene is already just sort of unpleasant in what it's yeah. about. But the notion that it's Louis C.K. of all people being there, no. do we? I don't want to spend too much more time on a shit scene. But let's call out the double standard here. Eight years before, seven years before, there no, was dumb the and shit scene in Dumb and Dumber, and yes. we get full side butt sound noises. Do we get top right? pubes? <laughs> no, no top pubes. It is PG thirteen. Just side that's butt. the thing. Both movies are PG-13, and we're in the bathroom with Harry's experience Mm -hmm. going through that whole thing. Yes. And now in 2002, because it's the other side of the fence with the women's side of things, we are completely shut off from her experience. The funnier scene, as gross as it would be, would be like lean into it, right? The way that they did in Bridesmaids, where she goes into the bathroom, she has to go so bad that she can't even get to pull the blinds down and has to stare at them in the eyes as she lets go. <laughs> I mean, it's gross, but you have to push it there if you're doing a shit scene. I yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess I and then I, they then they learn their lesson for being gross ass men trying to watch a woman shit. He's like, guess, oh, I might catch a catch a glimpse of her ass for a half a second. Oh God, I didn't sign up for this you know landon i find it very off-putting that you suggest that but then at the same time now that you're talking more about it i guess it would be that would be like 
a bit of character growth or like character development for her that we don't get otherwise where she is just <laughs> mad dogging these two truck drivers as she's taking a violent shit in the bathroom and seeing them like get uncomfortable and just like her just continuing to stare them down. This yes. is a woman who in the first scene in the movie is clinging to a wrecking ball to keep a building yeah. from being demolished. I guess that would yeah, let's fit introduce with her who character. she is. Yeah, let's introduce her character. Yeah, she's a person who takes shits. There you go. That's that's Sandra Bullock's character. <laughs> I mean, the the extent we get of it is we cut back outside the bathroom, and it's just Hugh Grant being awkward with the Kentucky folk, and he goes, "Honey, are you okay in there?" And we get a, "Whoa, Nellie." See how flat I'm, that fell? See how yeah. flat that fell? <laughs> I mean, it is kind of funny. Like, you hear her moaning from in there, and the, the Kentucky-ass mother, like, her children are sitting on a couch that is closer to the bathroom, and they hear the moaning. And she's like, come over here now, y'all. Come over here. And she's like, but, hugging her children. It would be close. funnier. As gross as it is, that would have been a funnier moment had there been shitting sound effects. Okay, look, I, I will agree with you that, oh, man, I'm so, I, like, folks... Grant work listeners, Grant heads, if you want to unsubscribe from our podcast now that we've spent probably half the episode talking about Sandra Bullock pooping. Okay, let's get let's get out of that scene. Let's, let's go to her, her. Yeah, you want to cap that scene, cap that scene. I, I just, I, I hate to say it. I guess I have to agree. If there had been farting sounds coming from the bathroom, the children's fear would have been funnier and it would have landed better. Let's never talk about this scene again. Never there's again. Just, okay. There's a 10 minute Clean. black hole in the middle of the movie clean from here on out let's go to her introduction because her introduction introduces her two of the (laughs) superheroes of the movie um the the people with the superpowers of being invisible her two friends yes take it take us through real quick what this opening scene is so the opening scene uh, it's it's Sandra Bullock basically clinging to a wrecking ball that is going to be used to demolish uh, some historic building. Sandra Bullock is a lawyer who fights for property rights for low-income people. She's like a property lawyer, environmental lawyer. It's it's not clear what kind of law she practices because <laughs> she practices like three different types of law in the movie. I fight for the community! <laughs> I drink your milkshake! Uh, but she... <laughs> She's clinging to the wrecking ball. Her two friends, whose names I do not know, come out and they pull they, her off the wrecking ball. I don't think they ball. were said. They they then roll out yoga mats to lie in the path of the bulldozers. And in the process of this, as she's you know she's hollering at whatever New York City construction worker, definitely played by a Sopranos extra, uh, <laughs> is is running the is running the wrecking ball. She's yelling at them. They lie down in the why, path of it. Why? Okay, this is a trope that I just hate where it's like someone's trying to prevent uh, some sort of uh, thing from being demolished and she's yelling at the construction crew yes. as if they have any <laughs> any sway over the like logistics of it. And and also the fact that the construction crew people are angry at her, it's like a these d- these dudes are union, okay? It's so like, oh, well, there's a lady in front <laughs> right. of the thing. We can't work today. Ah, oh, too bad. Hey, I guess we're going to go home early. Hey, bada bing, gabagool. Like, th- like they're not going to get angry at her. <laughs> like, they're getting paid either way. Like, oh, she's here. We'll call the cops and just, like, take a four-hour lunch. Um, <laughs> right. But she's she's there with her friends. They lay down on the yoga mats. And uh, then her two friends, like, the, the guy asks his girlfriend, who I guess is... Who's, who we're supposed to believe is Sandra Bullock's best friend, who appears in all of three scenes, to marry uh, him. I don't, and I don't even think they share eye contact in this first scene. <laughs> they do, it's, I it's, had no concept that the, that. Here's how much I didn't know 
that this was her best friend mm-hmm. is that it wasn't until the second time I watched the movie that I realized the wedding she walks out on yeah. is the wedding of her two friends in this scene. You have to be you have to be looking really close to figure that out. I picked it up, but only because it was like, well, what? Wait, who is this person? Oh, is that the lady from the from the first? <laughs> this is the thing. Here, like, and then, then, like, okay, so you see her with her friend in this first scene. Uh, then she is, you know, they get bailed out of jail by her parents in the very next scene. She, you know, her friend runs out of frame. She's barely in it. We see her at her friend's wedding to this guy a little bit later. Then, like, at the beginning of the third act, she and her friend have a conversation. They have another conversation a couple minutes later where her friend is, yeah. like, talking about, like, we've known each other since brownies and I've never seen you cry, like, speaking to this big, rich tapestry of friendship of this person we've never <laughs> seen her interact with. And that's right. basically it. And I think that, like, I think that... that it, also, in that scene, because that's right when... Uh, it was right after she, uh, Sandra Bullock... Uh, walks in on Hugh Grant and the girl that's replacing her, the woman that's replacing her, yeah. um, in their underwear at the hotel mm-hmm. right after the party scene. And um, she's sad and dropping her shoes off. And her friend gives her this, like, uh, what, what was that TV show where the neighbor was always giving uh, philosophical advice? Um, oh, wait, was that, um, I think it was, was that Coach? Where he would go, Something co- like coach that. Would yeah. go in his backyard and the neighbor, uh, Walter, yeah, the, I think, would, would talk to him, yeah. So she gives us like, you know, pulls this like philosophy quote out to like make Sandra Bullock feel better. And like the only thing it was telling her was like, you know, get up and try again. Yeah. (laughs) Just like don't don't give up on love. Yeah. That's the whole like thrust of this movie is you just haven't experienced love yet. So you're broken until you do. But it'll happen because that's fate. Don't give up on love. Keep trying to fall in love with your abusive boss that you just have to try harder no matter how poorly he treats you no matter how much he proves himself to be a horn dog who is <laughs> off to sleep with who who seems to have a pathological connection to sleeping with his subordinates to the point yeah. that he has hired a beautiful woman to replace you and is clearly sleeping with her right now um, let's okay okay but, but like like i just want to say about sorry, about sandra bullock's friend I, I okay. really think based on based on the depth of the conversation that they have in that scene where like they they you know they have this this heart to heart which she's dropped off the shoes and like her husband who you know we've seen them get that get married early in the in the scene she, he like pokes his head out the window and is like hey are you guys okay down there and she yells up like not everything's about you and he, he pokes his head back in I think I think that she falls into a certain trope I've noticed in certain romantic comedies of. Mm-hmm. The main character's best friend who had 80% of her scenes in the movie edited out because I I, I, I feel like the way she's playing this, I and I feel like the way she and Sandra Bullock play off each other, I think there were like three or four more scenes in the script with them hanging out and talking that just got axed I, so other stuff I could be here. I might agree with you if the actress that was cast was of, I don't want to say a higher caliber because the actress is just fine, but like a little bit higher of a name. Mm-hmm. Then, like, a, a Mary Lynn Rask... Oh, God, I can never pronounce her last name. Um, you know, someone of that caliber, uh, where then it would make sense that her, her scenes were cut. I think it's more indicative of just the the kind of shitty nature of the script, where when it's not well-written... Because all, all of these romantic comedies, as we've seen ad nauseum at this mm-hmm. point, are about, you know... We talked a little bit about this in Notting Hill. 
Yeah. Where there's a correlation between romantic comedies and film noir, where mm. there's a certain uh, fatalism on different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Where fatalism of film noir is like, they're doomed. And yeah. fatalism of uh, romantic comedies is that they are destined. Mm -hmm. and they're going to be together no matter what. Yes, and I think once you you have the the structure, the infrastructure of the story, and when it's not well written and you're only relying on that, you start to see the skeleton a little too much. And I think mm -hmm. that's the case here, and you can see it, I think, in the uh, legal aid scene, the big speech at the end. Yes. When his whole thing is, um, you are the voice in my head. Right. Yeah. Like you, you have been my guiding light for so long that all I hear is your vo voice telling me what to do. And it's this idea that <laughs> a man isn't complete unless he has a woman changing him and guiding him around. And that a woman isn't complete unless she has a man to change. Yes. And so and, when you bring it back to the best friends and she's just yelling up at the man, it's kind of an abridged version of that. Like, we're starting at the end of their romantic comedy, and we are, you know, uh, halfway through the sequel where, like, oh, yeah, not everything is a happily ever after. Usually it's a happily ever shut the fuck up for once. Yes, yes. I mean, and, you know, we're catching them at a, you know, maybe we're just catching them at a, at a rough moment. I mean, there's more... There's more honesty, I feel like, to the relationship between her absentee best friend and her even more absent husband than there is to the relationship between Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant in this movie. <laughs> um, just, I don't know, also at this point, again, for folks who, to, to fill in a little bit more from our synopsis, the, the, yeah. the, the gist here is that, you know, from early on in the movie, Hugh, uh, her, uh, Sandra Bullock's big thing is she wants to save the Coney Island community center because she grew up around oh, yeah, there. We haven't talked about that yet. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, she grew up around there. Uh, it's, it's, you know, her whole passion is preserving historic buildings from being destroyed. And she goes to Hugh Grant's character. Who's, you know, who, who works at his family's big property development firm and basically is saying to him, Hey, you know, if you develop this site but promise to preserve the community center, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll work with you or I'll help you or something like that. Like, basically, she says every other developer in town, including the, the Drumpf organization, wants to bulldoze the whole thing. But if they promise to... Um, if they promise to develop the site but preserve the community center and build their, their, you know, condo towers around it, she won't fight it and she'll help him with the legal stuff. And he, at the same time, has been told by his brother he needs to hire a better lawyer who's not just a bimbo. I'm sorry to use that term. Who's not just a... Uh, well, it's uh, it was said in the movie though. It was so said in the movie. Using, it was said in the movie. Talking, talking well, on the movie's terms. He should he should choose that he should choose a lawyer not based on how attractive of a woman she is, but based on how qualified of a lawyer she is. He hires her to be his lawyer, and then the movie advances over the course of about a year or so of him just making his Harvard educated over lawyer. The course the course of a year within i don't know 7 minutes of movie time it's it's a a dizzying montage of just him <laughs> making his harvard educated lawyer like help him test mattresses or choose which envelope to use or or things yeah. like that like and, and calling her at all hours of the day and night and so what what is key here for how much we're sh we're, we're shitting on this movie is that 
in the first like 10 minutes it makes clear that hey working for this guy she has no ability to have a personal life he is constantly calling her at all hours to do menial tasks he is incapable of doing anything for himself he has no regard whatsoever for her personal life or her time and but we the audience were supposed to find this kind of charming and and amusing as a thing which yeah. in 2002 maybe you could now 20 years later we're we're looking at the labor market differently and we see how bad that really <laughs> a is a little bit yeah but a little bit on a on a level of writing the problem i have here and why it doesn't work for me is that she's not established to have a life no she's not of this so she, she enters into this workaholic bargain as a workaholic so I don't get what she's sacrificing I, to, to outside the point, of her morals. And it and it's not like I need to see the whole movie for her to, you know, to see what she's giving up in terms of her morals. She does it the second that she starts working with him. Yeah. And and also to the to the point she has so little life that early on in the movie before she gets, you know, involved in Hugh Grant's company, she is living seemingly in her parents' apartment. And then she starts working for Hugh Grant, and he sets her up with an apartment in one of his buildings. And then when yeah. she quits, she's back in her parents' apartment. So it's like she had no personal space of her own before Hugh Grant yeah. came into the picture. And I know that it's expensive to rent in New York City, but that's, uh, I don't know. It, it, yeah. Can we talk for a second about her parents? And yes. maybe the hero of the movie, her mother? yes. <laughs> who is telling think, her from the get-go not to get involved with this guy. And even when she is involved with that guy, she's like, you don't need to be involved with this guy. What mm -hmm. We raise you better than this. What are you doing? Leave that company. Leave that man. Yes, yes. And then she suddenly disappears because, heaven forbid, we have a consistent dissenting voice in this film. <laughs> yeah, it is really... Yeah, like halfway through the movie... She vanishes like her dad is in those later scenes, but mom is. And there's just, and, there's just a simple line of dialogue like, oh, your mom's on a teaching conference this weekend. Guess it's just you and me. Let's <laughs> eat some cheesecake. Also, the, also, this is accentuated by the fact that in an early scene with Hugh Grant where they're kind of like opening up to one another on their roof of. of, uh, of this rooftop. Uh, yeah, the rooftop scene of of, uh, of her parents' place. She's talking to Hugh Grant, who has just met her parents, about how her mother is very critical, but she inspires her, and for better or worse, her mother is the voice in her head, a term that is later repeated by Hugh Grant at the end of the film. But, like, she kind of speaks... Very open, like I, she, I would go come up here as a kid to kind of like, you know, uh, rehash whatever fight I just had with my mom. Like it's made clear that her mother is a very big presence in her life, and then her mm -hmm. mom vanishes basically after that scene. <laughs> it. I also the other thing about that scene is, okay, and this is where like I, I have to separate my own love of Hugh Grant from that character that's being presented to us because sure. the character that's being presented to us is a rich man. <laughs> yes. Who sees something he wants, buys what he wants out of that person, yes. and then gets more of what he wants out of that person and is happy at the end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so in the scene when she's like, I used to come up here uh, and really ham-fisted says, you know, uh, to get alone and, you know particularly after an argument with my mother. And he just launches in and goes, oh, yeah, she's a real scud missile, isn't she? Or whatever the fuck he says. Like, he, like, torpedoes his, her mother in front of her. And then she goes, yeah, but she's the moral center of my life. 
And he does not apologize at all. Nor does she take issue with the fact that he said that. Like, like that he met her parents, like, like, like he's still in the middle of meeting them for the first time. Her boss meeting her parents and is still shitting on them. You know what I just realized? What did you her realize? Her mom, the last time we see her mom, she is giving Hugh Grant the evil eye uh, on the other side of the gate where they are doing actual, like, cement laying mm-hmm. for, a, for a new project. Oh, and he is, and he is friends with a certain New York real estate property developer who federal investigators have found has a lot of mafia ties. <laughs> and and as uh-huh. he and as he tells us in his next film, Love Actually, uh, the RAF trained cold blooded killers. Uh, just a phone call away. So, no, that wasn't that wasn't him at all. That was, I don't I don't know what that was. <laughs> but Sorry, yeah, we haven't got to that one yet. It, it's it's it suggests yeah that maybe he maybe he had her mom bumped off. I mean, actually, honestly, the only dissenting voice. In the movie, okay, Landon, let me hit you with a theory. Actually, this is something I was okay. thinking about. All right, all right. A very early like scene after she's been hired. Yeah. The first scene, two weeks after she's been hired, as a, yeah. as a, a title card tells us. Also bold in a movie called Two Weeks Notice to then show two weeks later on screen in the first five yes. minutes. Like you're 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 confusing the people. But he comes to her with <laughs> two seemingly identical envelopes and asks for her uh, her um, opinion of which one is better. Uh, one of them is linen finish. One of them is a watermarked vellum finish, and, the, and he needs her to pick which one is better. And to mm-hmm. to her, they look identical. To him, they're they're very specific. I think I know B- where you're going with this. Big echoes of Patrick Bateman's business cards, <laughs> you know, bone with the with the you know cer- cerulean finish or whatever. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I mean, if you watch this movie as as a movie where he is a psychopath, and uh, you know, and you watch this movie as ah uh, yes. <laughs> Her mother was telling her not to be with this guy, and then her mother disappears from the film. It, it something becomes a very subversive kind of yes. interesting horror story. Maybe I'll watch it a third time with that in mind. I mean, you could theoretically recast Hugh Grant with Christian Bale uh, without skipping much of a beat here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two British guys... Uh, well, <laughs> both adept at playing rich billionaire playboys. Uh, okay, what? W- yeah, except the two British guys. Yes, one of them is one of them is famous for only playing British guys. The other one so seldom <laughs> plays British guys that most Fair. people forget that he's not American. So there's there's a little <laughs> bit of a difference there. Okay, um, uh, I like your theory a lot. Thank you, thank you. I I I also like it. Um, can we talk? Yeah. For just a moment about something in this movie that is that 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 is pervasive and kind of in every scene. Oh, okay, yeah. I have I have a couple specific scenes, but let's talk about it. What do you got? This movie looks like dog shit. It looks like a dried out dog turd that has been sitting in a park in the hot L.A. sun for weeks. It is such a bad looking movie. It is now. What you, badly. You, where did you watch it for one thing? Did you watch it on HBO? I watched it on HBO. The yeah, same okay. service that will show you a movie like Dune that I, I okay, okay. It's <laughs> I'm sorry, let me UHD, yeah. Let, let me okay. It's not fair to compare Denny Villanueva's Dune to uh, uh two weeks notice or something. I'm not saying that it should be on the same level. I'm just saying from the get-go, and I'm not like I'm not as much of a cineast as as Landon is here, but even mm-hmm. I in the very first scene with Sandra Bullock on the wrecking ball, I'm looking at it like they're they're framing these shots oddly. It's just a lot of kind of awkward. Yeah, full it's a first time director. 
it's it 100% is 100% first time absolutely director. absolutely first time director and i don't want to take anything away from mark lawrence because i think he's a good screenwriter i think that i am a decent screenwriter i'd be a shitty director probably even i'd make Holy... a worse movie than this wait 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 what wait a minute wait what? a fucking what? minute what? this doesn't make any sense at all you... Uh, so you you can you can place a certain amount of blame on the director Mm-hmm. But a first-time director is going to rely heavily on his cinematographer or director of photography. The cinematographer for this movie is Laszlo Kovacs. Wait. Director of photography of Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, Jesus. Ghostbusters. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> this does not make sense. No. Laszlo, this this is, a again, this this production was mobbed up, definitely. This was a no-show job. Laszlo Kovacs collected paychecks, but he did not set foot on set. Like, the first scene <laughs> at the where, where, where she's on the wrecking ball trying to stop the thing from getting demolished, it is so poorly shot. Like, there, yes. there, it's, there's no close-ups on anyone. It's a lot of really weird full shots, and there's never a good wide shot of the whole area, so we get these no, insert shots of a crowd of people looking towards the camera but we never get a shot to establish where geographically they are in relation to everything else so it's like it's it's very confusing the only section that looks good even though the the sequence is like so out of place in this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> is the i love new york helicopter montage <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's I think it's time to talk about it, Sherman. Oh my god. Okay, let's talk about the helicopter. Why do we love New York so much? Uh, well, it's the uh, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Uh, let's see. Um, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Um, oh. start spreading the news, obviously about. I okay. New York, New I thought York. you. I thought you had this piece of trivia ready to go. I oh. will. Um, oh, okay. Hit I'll, me with- I'll hit you with it. Yeah. Uh, this is directly from IMDb. <clears throat> the film was originally oh. to be shot entirely in Toronto yes. due to cheaper production costs, but producer and star Sandra Bullock insisted that uh, a film about New York City must be made in New York City. Hey. It ended up being shot <laughs> entirely on location within a 17-week span. 17 weeks to shoot this movie. Jesus oh, Christ. My God, um, man. The film revitalized the economy of New York City after the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Citation needed. And allowed businesses to flourish once again. In honor of the cast and crew's contribution to the city, December 11th, 2002 was named Two Weeks Notice Day by the mayor of New York. Who was Giuliani, I take it, still? Uh, um, In 2002, I think so. Oh my god! They they, I mean, they leave his name out of that. I good. Uh, yeah, like I that's that's giving that's giving the movie two weeks notice a little bit too much credit. That like the <laughs> the most like the largest most economically dynamic city in America was completely revitalized by one seventeen week romantic comedy shoot. <laughs> like the the New York Stock Exchange, they were talking about moving it to Philadelphia, but then oh, two weeks notice is here, guys! Yeah. Guys, get the big bell out, get the bull statue back. <laughs> What kind of, I mean, maybe short of like bagel shops that are, you know, providing food for catering, you know, uh, during shooting. I I can't imagine. Usually you have to shut businesses down when you're filming. I mean, yeah. And I don't know. It's like it's one thing like a movie. I can see a movie 
Like, the reason that, like, Oregon was doing tax incentives for film production or, like, Louisiana or something is doing it. It's like, yeah, your mo a movie comes to your smaller GDP state, like, and a big movie production comes there with big movie money behind yeah. it. That really That's builds things up. That's why you give them rebates. Yes, exactly. In New York City, it's got to be like, you'd have to be shooting like a Game of Thrones episode there to make a dent or a series. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's, I, I, I don't know. Also, this is something that we noticed when we were watching the movie. Kirstie pointed out in a lot of the, um, you know, specifically the helicopter scene where they're where they're yeah. flying around in the helicopter, looking at the city. And there's all these shots of the helicopter flying around. She's it saying, goes like real poignant music, just like yeah, a real love letter to New York in a scene in a movie that is basically a shit scene. Oh of yeah, a romantic comedy. Uh, yeah, a re real garbage scene of two actors sitting on a helicopter interior set, looking at a green screen. Um, <laughs> Uh, and all of it badly lit, uh, but they're they're. I think like, it that, might have been rear projection, but I, I don't want to say uh, whatever it is. It doesn't look good. However, they did it. They did it the wrong way. But but we're watching these scenes, and Kirsty just points out like it looks shitty. Like it looks like a they picked the smoggiest possible day to shoot this. Like the air quality looks <laughs> terrible, and then it's supposed to look like Magic Hour, and it doesn't. Uh, it, <laughs> it looks it, like it looks it, like Los Angeles on like a summer day in 1982. It, it looks like Tragic Hour, if you ask me. Um, well, and then but like so, the, yeah, like there's this pervasive <laughs> smog in so many of these like big shots of the city. And then when I saw it was the first movie shot in New York after 9/11, I briefly had like a chilling thought of like wait where is that smog from is that leftover smoke and then i like i looked at it more and it's oh like God. oh no 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 okay it's not like that's not you know twin tower <laughs> I'm not gonna... ghosts <laughs> that would be well you know that would be interesting they don't actually mention that in the trivia of whether or not this was like the first shots of the new york landscape without the twin towers in them that might be true I mean, uh, yeah, because we saw I think like the last thing we saw was the Spider-Man trailer uh, <laughs> with the Twin Towers before they had to uh, quickly redo that one. Spe OK, yeah. Spe speaking of speaking of Spider-Man, the fact that uh, Sandra Bullock insisting that this movie has to be shot in New York, we got to shoot it in New York. That is kind of the same energy as the scene in Spider-Man where New Yorkers start throwing shit at the Green Goblin <laughs> and yelling about how if you mess with New York, you mess with all of us. <laughs> Excuse me, it was Dr. Ock. Oh, do no, it was not. No, it was not Dr. Ock. It was Green Goblin, Landon. I know that normally you know about comic books. The train books. scene? The train scene? No, 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 no. The, 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 the first Spider-Man movie where he there he's on the Brooklyn Bridge and there, he's fighting with the with the Green Goblin. Oh, I maybe don't remember that one that well. Wow, Landon, I've just, I've never beaten you at a comic book superhero thing before this is kind of exciting i, I i've got to i got to take a lap um, um well let's go from helicopters to boats truman we got to talk about this boat scene oh i'm on a boat motherfucker don't you ever forget um <laughs> yeah so there's a where, scene okay so on. where are okay. we where are we in this in the the <laughs> the uh, rich narrative of this film. The, in the rich narrative of this film, Sandra Bullock, who has been working for Hugh Grant for a while and has finally been fed up with this bullshit and has given him her two weeks notice uh, and is in the process of trying to find a, uh, a, a, a replacement. She has then been dumped by her absentee boyfriend over the phone and is very upset about it. And so Hugh Grant takes her out on uh on his on his yacht which is moored at the harbor to cheer her up and i want to i want to make clear 
Um, I, I want to give a shout out to the real star of this movie. This yacht is the Motor Yacht Symphony, furnished by the Hall family, who gets a special thanks credit at the end of the credits. <laughs> So yeah, th- so out on the motor yacht symphony where it's uh, mm. it's Hugh Grant, uh, it's Sandra Bullock wearing a life preserver, which is kind of a funny bit, and then kind of uh, funny, but they make no, they draw no attention to it. Uh, they draw. Uh, you, what, what are you gonna say about it though? You're like, oh, uh, uh, no. hang on, let me get my let me get my Hugh Grant together. There you uh, seem to be uh, wearing a life preserver, which is not necessary, as we're right here by the by the. Yes, uh, that's funnier. <laughs> Oh, I think what's funny about it is that I've kind of got a bit of a wee Australian accent mate going on. Or give, uh, give Sandra Bullock something funny to do for once and, like, have her nervous to go on the boat and put on the life preserver before she gets on. Like, let me see that doing, scene. Look, I'm not saying that it's good, but she's doing full-on Kramer-ass physical comedy here. She's, like, flopping yeah, this and flipping is around the funniest she's very she drunk. And I also, there's a very funny bit of this scene. They're walking around yep. on the top deck of this uh, of this yacht, and there is piano music playing. There is a dude there, like, it's just the two of them on the boat. There is a dude there sitting and playing uh, keyboard, piano or something, and he has a big tip jar that's empty on his keyboard. And as Sandra Bullock is going down the stairs and Hugh Grant is following her, he stops and he pulls out money from his wallet and puts it in the pianist's tip jar and i just i find it so funny that the pianist playing a private concert for two people has a tip jar and that hugh grant who has already paid him handsomely to be here is then tipping him on top of that that might be the funniest thing in the movie for that, me that little bit of like completely understated business i did not even pick up on that that is gold that's that really fucking amazing it's really and again and again like i I'm not saying this is a case where the movie's shitty direction works in its favor. A close-up shot of him doing that would have pointed too many arrows at the joke and would have compromised its funniness. <laughs> Showing it in a wide shot like that, it's just kind of a little detail that you have to be paying close attention to get. The reason it was in a wide shot is because the director used lots of wide shots because he's not right. very good at directing. Um, okay, but yes, but so they, yeah, they're 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 on the boat. She is piss ass wasted and kind of talking about. I don't know what she's talking about, Landon. What's she talking he, about? Okay, she. This is this. The dialogue in this scene is so frustrating to me mm. because it's basically the the first turn to him telling her, "You just need to change who you are." Yeah, <laughs> and she yep. starts to believe it. She's drunk and just she's lamenting the fact that uh, her and her boyfriend just broke up, and mm. um. She's like, maybe I'm just not a romantic person. And he goes, maybe you're not. And she's like, okay. You know, like she's starting to buy this. And it's like, maybe you're not a romantic person. Why the fuck does that need to change? Well, and and that furthermore, that he's, the things that he's saying to her is like, well, maybe, you know, maybe you should try and be a little less threatening to men. Maybe you should. He's basically saying, I wrote this down. I wrote this down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it to me. Uh, What does he say? Because she says she wants to know what the matter with her is. Why does she drive everyone away? And he's like, well, just loosen up a bit and get in touch with your feminine side. Get dolled up occasionally. Yeah. And it's just like, God, this is getting real gross. She pushes back a little bit. And she's like, I'm not just, you know, going to dress up like some cupie doll. Uh, to you know, seduce seduce men, but then he starts like psychoanalyzing her like a sociopath. <laughs> like this is the lead up to an unsolved mystery: two people <laughs> alone on a boat. Yes, one of them drunk <laughs> and incapacitated. 
And so she starts like self-doubting and going, well, maybe I'm not good in bed. And he goes, maybe you're not. And then she's like, fuck you. I'm great in bed. And like starts to like throw herself at him. And like this whole scene really made me disgusted. But this is where Sandra Bullock, the, her charm and performance came through where despite everything that was happening, her drunk selling him on being good at sex was so fucking funny to me. She's like, I'm a, I'm like an inside of here. I'm like, a, I'm like an animal, like a bobcat. And I could bend, I'm, I bend so well. I'm like a pretzel, but like the twisty kind, I'm like a twisty bobcat pretzel. <laughs> that, 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 and that line, bobcat pretzel is, uh, that's so uh, central to the film that on the, on the soundtrack to two weeks notice, which is released on January 28th, 2003, track number seven is called bobcat pretzel. So, oh, uh, my God, I want me, to I hope you use that as our outro music this week. I will use Bobcat Pretzel as our as our as our outro. A few other a few other hits from the two weeks notice soundtrack. Uh, Helicopter Ride, Divorce oh God. and Sad Bowels. <laughs> yes, folks, I think I'm going to actually use Sad Bowels as our outro music for this podcast. <laughs> that's that's All the right. one that we deserve. <laughs> He took me in two different directions. I want to just talk real briefly about the divorce scene mm-hmm. where there this is in their like um uh you know the the falling in love period although it's like in quotes because they don't actually fall in love in this movie but um this is okay or, this know. is this is during that kind of jump this is in the first probably I don't know 20 minutes of the movie when it's when she is still working yeah. for him has been working for him for close to a year and he uh this is when he basically drafts her to help him manage his divorce proceedings. And she, okay, so uh, the, just a brief context for this. The the wife is asking for more money because he had an extramarital affair, and Sandra Bullock's like, mm, okay, well, if you want more money because of the extramarital affair, then that, of course that has to apply to you, and we have an accountant uh, on our side that you got frisky with, so he's willing to testify that you two got frisky, so I guess that means uh, it goes both ways, and she, the wife gets so pissed that she throws a glass of water in Sandra Bullock's face, and Sandra Bullock just Lucy's like gets so you know like I'm melting I'm melting but she goes the water got up my nose mm-hmm. and yeah I just, I've seen water be thrown in a lot of faces in movies and TV over the years I don't think it's physically possible unless you happen to be inhaling the very moment that the water hits your face for water to go up your nose being thrown at you across the table. This movie takes a curious view of physics because there is a later scene involving hair and a bathroom and a belt where the same kind of thing yes, happens. that one too. Where I, I, like, if you want to keep talking about the divorce proceedings, fine. We got to talk no, about that. The that was the only next. thing I wanted to bring up with that. Okay. But yes. Yeah. Let's go right to the, the belt scene. So she's in the, so this is then later. This is at the point when she, you know, she has told Hugh Grant that she wants to quit and, uh, that, you know, they're, they're making the arrangements for, okay, find a replacement and, and, you know, train her up, whatever. They're having this conversation in the men's room of the business and she hugs him. Something drops out of one of their pockets. She kneels down to get it. And then as she stands back up, her hair somehow gets caught in his belt, even though it would be like, I don't know how that happens. Like a big chunk I mean, it of would her be, hair. It would be more believable if it was a zipper. Yes. But I guess harder to, to like, why would a zipper be down? And, you know, the, there's I, no, I'd be still be more willing to believe it than a belt. Like, I wear a belt every day, and I've never gotten anything stuck in my belt. 
it's not even like his belt is undone. It's just like it's just like an entire lock of her hair or more somehow gets sucked in between like the the fastener of his belt and his pants or something. And the whole reason for this, like, yes, you said it would make more sense to get caught in his zipper, but logistically, why would his zipper be down and then zipped up? All of this, all of this, the only reason this happens is so it can look like she's giving him a blowjob when Hugh Grant's brother walks in. And why does Hugh Grant's, like, why does Hugh Grant care what his brother thinks anyway? Because he, uh, it's just. They shower together, basically. <laughs> yes, they, they, they shower together. And also his brother already knows that he's a raconteur who sleeps with his employees. So if his brother walks in on him getting a blowjob from this woman, it's like, oh, okay, I guess it's just you being Hugh Grant. Like, there's no, there's no stakes to it for one thing. <laughs> and also, it doesn't make sense for it to happen in any way. I'm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. So then I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go to the tennis scene from that. Okay. Because this is, the, this we're, is the, we're just yeah we're we're, we're all over. We're this hitting movie. on the fun fun and games of the romantic comedy and in this film this is where I feel like it's a little bit of what I said earlier of seeing the skeleton behind you know the lack of meat here where they're playing tennis and um, it's a competitive scene. Uh, the woman that's going to be replacing um, Lucy is, Her name is on Judy. Hugh Grant's. Uh, Judy is playing on on Hugh Grant's team, on George's team, and it's uh, uh, Lucy and, oh my god, we gotta talk about Norman (laughs) at some point. (laughs) Yes, yes. We don't talk about Uh, Norman. (laughs) But uh, as they start playing, Lucy and Judy start getting really competitive with each other that the men kind of have to stand back and go, what's going on? I guess it's just the two of them. Women, right? They must be on their periods or something. Oh my god. I mean, I would take you to task if that wasn't exactly what was on Norman's face in this scene. Yeah. But uh, Judy gets so uh, uh, enthusiastic that she hits the ball so hard that it bounces off of Sandra Bullock's face and Sandra Bullock falls over. Again, I'm calling it as a trailer moment, and we'll cover yeah. that at the end uh, end of this uh, episode. But um, she has a big red welt on her head. Now, listen, I've never been hit by a tennis ball, I, mm-hmm. but... I felt a tennis ball. I've hit a tennis ball. They're pretty elastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I would rather get hit by a tennis ball than a baseball. Yeah. But I think that this is another, like, romantic comedy physics thing. I think she falls to the ground. She's like, I think I have a concussion. Ask me what the... Um, uh, na- na- name all the Supreme Court justices. <laughs> right, and then she names them all, and she goes, is that right? And Hugh Grant goes, well, how would I know? Uh which is a funny line again yeah, in the trailer. I'm yeah. s- I'm certain it's in no, the trailer. No, that line. No, I'm gonna push back. Her getting hit with the ball that might be in the trailer. A-, a line that requires you to hear her recite the name of every sitting Supreme Court justice, and then Hugh Grant okay. admit he doesn't know who's on the Supreme Court. That's too dense for a trailer in 2002. That's not in the I'm trailer. Gonna t- I'm gonna take those extra points from you when they end up all in the trailer. Right, all right, all right. I I just I just don't <laughs> buy it. Okay, here's my point though: is that. I've been hit in the head with a golf ball, and ah. I didn't even fall down. Mm-hmm. I cannot, I cannot buy her getting hit in the face with a tennis ball and it leaving a welt in a concussion. Uh, well, a tennis unless, ball's unless a lot bigger. Unless her skull is like made of, I don't know, <laughs> juju fruits. If, she, if her skull is made of juju fruits, then maybe that's why she's so into Hugh Grant in the first place. That explains her uh, poor judgment. <laughs> <laughs> I oh my god. I uh, so yeah I also think another issue that I had with that scene so this is you know not long mm-hmm. after she 
she she meets you know she's been interviewing a bunch of women to potentially replace her as the yeah. lawyer for the company. Hugh Grant does not want a male replacement. He only wants to have a female lawyer. He and the movie makes very does not really make much hay out of how creepy that is that he will not consider <laughs> a subordinate who he can't have sex with. And right. he I don't mean, he, 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 uh, listen. He could have sex with men. He just seems to be a heterosexual person, so I guess not going to. Anyway, um, but so so Judy comes and interviews for the job, and she winds up being the one who's going to get the position. And, you know, Judy is attractive. She also went to Harvard Law, just like uh, Sandra Bullock's character. And mm-hmm. she talks in this first scene together about how, oh, Sandra Bullock's character is still such a legend there. You know, she did her... Like, I don't know, senior project or whatever on on Sandra Bullock's casework and how she's such an inspiration to everybody at Harvard and how everyone looks up to her. Like, all this stuff about how she really admires Sandra Bullock's character. And then, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, Hugh Grant comes in, starts flirting with her. It comes out that they have gone out and had a drink after that and that he's put her up at his hotel in a room there. Mm-hmm. And then they're at, the, uh, then they're at the, the tennis court and then they're having this very furious kind of back and forth competition with one another. I guess I understand why Sandra Bullock feels threatened by Judy because she has these feelings, however inexplicable for her boss. I don't get why Judy is suddenly feeling this animosity towards Sandra Bullock, who she literally just was talking about her being an inspirational figure to her. Like, I, I, I'll tell you why. Why? I'll tell you why. Uh, And it's the same reason that it happens at the end, which is uh, this movie is written. And directed by a male. Yeah. And they want to see a cat fight. Well, and as does uh as does Norman in a in a scene Norman. late in the movie, uh which All right. is can we just we need to we need to go down the yeah, side road. Yeah, called let's talk Norman. about Norman. Yeah, Nor- Norman. <laughs> and uh Okay. He is so creepy in this movie that until the end, I didn't even know that Sandra Bullock was his boss. Mm-hmm. Like, why would she put up now? Okay, I don't want to be victim blaming or anything, but like, she he literally goes to grab her breasts to dab coffee off of her like six times in a row, and she just goes, Norman, 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 stop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to his boss. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I guess it's realistic in terms of look at the company culture that Hugh Grant has created yeah. at this point. Well, fair. Uh, and then later when Judy comes in and Norman's like, she's nice and like Mm-mm. stares at her ass as he, she walks out the door. Like mm-hmm. the Norman character in this movie is just a relic. And I, well, I shouldn't say a relic. I'm sure a lot of them still exist, but I, like yeah, I a, think in, in middle management positions at every company in America <laughs> and upper management <laughs> positions at 75% of the companies in America. Yes. But, but kind of, using that character as comic relief in a movie that doesn't shouldn't need comic relief because it's a comedy um, yeah is just like throwing that that behavior off as a joke and like oh this is everyone has this guy in the office um it was just so hard to palette <laughs> well and there is a scene late in the movie uh where where as Sandra Bullock is leaving for the last time oh, the going away party and, yeah the poem? I think, Going away party, yes, he he reads a very strange poem about how she's such a great boss, but then she and Judy get into a fight over possession of a stapler, which symbolically represents Hugh Grant's character, and as they are, like, fighting and clawing at each other, another employee goes to try and break them up, but Norman, who is 
enthusiastically watching this, like throws an arm out to stop the other person. He says, no, 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 no. And he's like, he's in it. It takes me back to like the nineties and the <laughs> early two so thousands when we're like, I, I remember as a young boy seeing on TV when like two women were fighting and all the men would like get excited about it and thinking like, Oh, okay. I guess when I hit puberty, this will make me horny. I don't understand now what I like about it. And and let me tell you, Landon, I'm pretty sure yeah. puberty's done, and I still don't get what I'm supposed to find sexy about two women like punching and kicking each other. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm a I'm a pervy dude, but like that that's not doing it for me. If I saw two women fighting, I would simply let one of the my coworkers break them up. I don't know if I personally would. I don't know. I'd be it scared was, of getting hit in the face. I cannot pull the the actual reference out of the recesses of my brain, but there is some movie that explains it about, you know, want, they're going to tear their clothes off and you're going to see a booby, basically. Are you are you <laughs> are you talking perhaps about the Seinfeld episode where Kramer explains? No, that, no, because Kramer, maybe maybe it is. Maybe I'm conflating a couple things because uh, I feel uh, like you actually see the booby in the thing I'm thinking of, but I cannot remember what it is. Well, uh, one whole booby, really? Wow, I don't know where else you're gonna see that. I the way the way Kramer <laughs> well, explains it that, in that isn't Seinfeld that what episode, makes this whole thing ludicrous? I I mean I agree I agree it's ludicrous. I just I remember in the Seinfeld episode Kramer saying like oh they're, they're fighting because then they they're fighting and they, they might kiss and it's like well that's. You're hanging an awful lot of hopes on that happening versus just I I, I don't know I, I we don't need to talk about the about all the different no. ways that men are strange and creepy because we know them pretty well ourselves but um uh, let's let's get off of Norman I think we talked about him yes. uh, at, at nauseum at this point I want to talk about one other character that we haven't even touched on yet yet he's a constant throughout the movie kind of mm -hmm. the chauffeur. Yeah, the chauffeur. Who? What, what is the chauffeur's name? I gotta look up this actor. He's I, not given a name. I don't think he's given. I'm gonna check IMDb, but I don't think it's actually spoken in the movie. Um, he's credited yeah. as Tony. Tony. Probably because they were too embarrassed to write chauffeur. Yeah. Okay. Jordan Missick. Oh, for God's sake. I don't. Yeah. I like. He looked familiar to me, and I don't know if I am. Yeah. No. Oh. Okay. Yeah. He. He did a voice in a Grand Theft Auto game. Okay, that's all. Yeah, yeah but yeah, he's... <laughs> Lucky number, number 11, uh, mm -hmm. I hear, is a good movie. I haven't seen it, th eh. though. Um, eh. 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 But here's the thing. Okay, so he's he's basically the chauffeur to Hugh Grant's character. But yes. at times... I, I, this is where I feel like the script in the hands of another director would allow Mark Lawrence as a screenwriter to be sharper... Mm -hmm. And for a director to to better identify what's funny about something, yeah. and pull it out a little bit more. There's a moment when uh, Hugh Grant and Tony, I'm gonna call him because I don't want to call him the chauffeur, are playing chess, and uh, yeah. Tony is trying to give Hugh Grant some advice, mm -hmm. and it feels like a play on the the type of character, the like stereotype of the like wisdom giving chauffeur that drives the white guy around, the yeah. rich white guy around, yeah. And it, you know, it turns out like Tony has really bad advice and lives at home still and shouldn't be giving out <laughs> advice on women. He, but he's the, talking the, He's talking about how like the man always has to be in control. Like like women are like chess and there's, you know, and, and men are just pawns, but you have to control the woman. It was he's saying some pretty toxic shit. Yes, but it's it's undermined by the fact that he the example he gives is when I get home, I expect my mom to have my dinner on the table yeah. right when I get there. And yeah. Hugh Grant goes, we well, still live at home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's not funny. It should be though. 
I, yeah. That's the thing is like it, it's a completely thankless character uh, that does nothing to forward the plot except to help Hugh Grant carry Sandra Bullock's passed out body after the boat scene back home and, uh, and where she's much, snoring. And he he turns yeah. to Tony at one point <laughs> at the end of the scene and, you know, he's like he's propped her head under a pillow. He got her situated on the couch and then he just turns to him and goes, should we undress her? <laughs> and there's such a weird, gross line that, like, they do nothing with. Well, I mean, they, like, he says, well, I, I should be change of clothes for her. And and he looks at Tony, and Tony just kind of gives him a gives him a critical look back, and Hugh Grant goes, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know where that came from. Which, I mean, kind of a funny response to it. I What's weird is that Tony, much like like Sandra Bullock's mom disappears about halfway through the movie and never it's like, true. I think after that scene where they carry, carry her back in, he doesn't show up again. Yeah. Everyone in, in their lives are disposable. I mean, that's just kind of the mark of a, a bad movie is that the supporting characters are given no life whatsoever. I think yeah. the, the richest characters outside of Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock are uh, Sandra Bullock's parents. Mm-hmm. But you you can attribute that to Dana Ivey and Richard Klein, um, who are just so experienced in their years of comedy that they're able to bring something to it. Yeah, uh, I, I would say to some degree David Haig playing Hugh Grant's brother, but it's such a schizophrenically written character that I I never know what to make of him. Is he supposed to be a threat? Is he supposed to? How is he supposed to be defining Hugh Grant? I I don't know. Um, uh- Speaking speaking of, of Hugh Grant's brother played by David Haig, if like if we're if we're ready now that we've kind of hit the fun and games to then move into the latter half of the film, I don't know if you've yeah. Done. So d- there comes a point in the movie after we've you know I think this is post yeah post uh, post shitting scene post yeah. helicopter ride right after the helicopter it's right after the helicopter scene yeah where they're where they're helicoptering around new york and hugh grant is mansplaining to sandra bullock about uh architecture and then she reveals that she literally actually tests knows her knowledge she's like yeah. i know a thing or two and then he's like oh yeah really and then tests her knowledge oh yeah oh you like architecture name every building um, this guy sucks so he, much he, he definitely sucks like the fact that like it is it is really it is a testament to Hugh Grant's goodness as an actor that he's able to make this movie not be absolutely nauseating like this woman <laughs> falling in love yeah. with the emotionally abusive billionaire property developer. Um but so anyway, uh, sometime after this we're getting into we're, we're getting towards, you know, the the third act of the movie where yeah. Hugh Grant finds out from his brother that oh, you know, actually the you know the the development that we're doing at the Coney Island Community Center, uh, we actually do have to knock down the community center. Wait, what we said, but we promised that we weren't going to do that. Uh, well, yes, we actually it just doesn't it doesn't pencil out unless we knock down the community center. We need to be able to build as many units as possible. Mm-hmm. And actually, it turns out that the economy is not doing so well, and if we're not able to build this, the entire company will go under, and and then we'll all be poor. So it's like this is a very brittle company that you've built. <laughs> yeah, like you guys. Like, same thing one development in coney island by the way not the most <laughs> desirable part of new york city that your your entire massive corporation and generational wealth is all staked on this one building getting built um 
I and also it, want to say yeah. that this is the scene where his brother says that you have to help me close this deal or I'm going to have to fire you and take away your stock options. Yes. And this is supposed to be like the make or break moment for Hugh Grant's character. Like yeah. this is the choice he has to make. That's basically do you choose your loyalty and commitment to Lucy or do you continue with your self involved ways and just be the shitty person that you've always been? Yeah. And the problem is the preceding movie leading up to this moment has not given me any kind of moral or emotional quandary for Hugh Grant's character that this moment blows by like like dust off of an old book. <laughs> like there's no there's no weight to it at all. Like I, I it wasn't until the second time I watched it before I was like, oh, this is like the linchpin for the rest of his arc, and it falls so flat. And also, it's not really clear to me why, like, why does Hugh Grant's brother need Hugh Grant for this to happen? Like, he, he, yes, he keeps exactly. putting it on, like, oh, you've got to make this speech about it at the groundbreaking. But it's like, I don't understand. Like, it, the, everything this movie has told us is that Hugh Grant is kind of just an idle rich playboy. It's suggested that he doesn't, re like, he doesn't do anything at the company. He kind of just has a title for show and he's there because his brother, you know, it's a family business. Yeah. It's but a so nepotism thing. Why, like, why does his he's brother not, He's need not actively him? fucking up the company. Yeah. You know, but, it would be different if, like, he was foregoing his job because of Sandra Bullock. Like, if, if the two were intertwined together, then, of course, like, his love for Sandra Bullock continues to make him fuck up and this is the last straw. But there have been no straws leading up to this. <laughs> and and again, like, why does Hugh Grant have any role in this? Why is there even a conversation with Hugh Grant about we're going to knock down the community center? Hugh Grant is not doing anything. Like, what what is his right. speech going to? It seems like his whole job is making speeches. And I guess I agree. He's charming. But you don't, like, the brother could just make the speech or they could hire an actor to make a speech there and tell people, hey, right. we're going to knock down this building and build condos here. But so I don't understand, like, like they've given us no reason to think that Hugh Grant has any agency or any control of this company that he works at. So yeah. it's it, so the fact that oh you have to make a choice you either give a speech saying that we're going to knock down the community center or lose your job well well why what stakes are there like <laughs> there are none yeah there are it's there it's yeah I, it, it, this is so like just the writer trucking ahead like oh I know that this beat has to be here and I'll figure out the way to get to it on another draft and then just never did <laughs> yeah uh, the writer who's also the director so then. Yeah. Okay. Oh God, Truman. Uh, okay. Oh, do we Wait, do it? I, if okay. we're gonna we're gonna move if we're gonna move no. chronologically at this point. No. Oh, we so, have to. Okay. I mean, so, it's one of the last things we got to talk about. So okay. So basically, from from him finding out, we got to destroy the community center. It's gonna happen. There is this yeah. benefit for the local children's hospital. And might I add, mm -hmm. it seems like people on TV shows and in movies are constantly going to whimsical charity benefits. It's like <laughs> it's like the notion of a charity benefit within with with a kind of exciting theme is such a way for like, oh, this is an excuse for everyone to look very nice but also kooky weird stuff to be happening in the background. <laughs> so every I guess the theme is 
clowns, I guess. So Hugh Grant is wearing a circus comically kind long of, yeah. circus tie, and there's like mimes running around in the background, not being used to great comic effect, I must say. Um, and so, you know, the, he, he goes to this and he's taking Judy as his date. This has upset yep. Sandra Bullock, but then she goes and has a heart-to-heart with her friend uh, outside of the building where her friend tells her, no, you, or they have a heart-to-heart in a bodega, and her friend tells her, no, you should go to it. And so Sandra Bullock puts on this beautiful designer dress that I guess she has um, and goes there as well. Um, so <laughs> don't, I, don't ask too many questions. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, that's already what we've been doing. But okay, I so know. at the party... Hugh Grant shows up to the party. He's yeah. walking around at the party, and he things uh, are really, really coming to a head, right? Things, yeah, everything's everything's coming together. Everything's getting high. Sand- uh, and and let's, he, just, let's set the stakes here. Sandra okay. Bullock, she has come to realize she loves Hugh Grant. Whether or not she admits it to herself, I don't know if we're at that point yet exactly. But definitely, as the viewers, we know, and she's forcing herself to go here, even though she knows that Judy's going as, uh, as his date. Yes. Hugh Grant is going, knowing that he has broken his promise and couldn't live up to being the man he thought he could be um, by keeping the community center alive, the one thing that Sandra Bullock uh, has wanted, that Lucy's wanted. So to him, he has let her down and let himself down in terms of being the man that he thought he wanted to be for her. Yes. And doesn't think he's deserving of her. Yes. Uh, Judy is there as well. Judy Judy is there because she is fresh out of college and is just happy to be doing <laughs> things and talking to people and looking pretty. Yes. And honestly, I want to I say a word in Judy's defense. She seems like a perfectly nice lady. Nothing she does in She's this fine. movie is outright villainous. No. Like, I mean, yes. Which she... is part, actually, I read this as, as one of uh, Roger Ebert's criticisms of the movie is that uh, she is nice and that the role would have been better served written as a more villainous type. And I kind of agree with that. Like, there needs to be more external conflict or or something, like, making these stakes bigger. And there just isn't anything. True, but it's also hard to see her as villainous when she, again, is fresh out of college, shows up you, to apply for her job. something different than that. And, and, well, yeah, but, like, fresh out of college, shows up to interview for this job, and is almost immediately being propositioned by her boss. Like, it's, you know... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. What what other direction do you go with it? Do you write it as, you know, her seducing him, uh, even though he's clearly in love with Sandra Bullock? Like, she's trying to sleep her way to the top. I mean, that kind of comes up with other problematic, you know, character tropes that, yeah. I don't know, whatever. I don't know. So, the, the, okay, so we're at this benefit. Hugh Grant walks <sighs> in. He runs Can into... I- Delay a little bit more. Okay, delay a little bit more, Landon. What else do you want to talk about? Uh, anything else? Can we talk about uh, talk about the shitting scene again? It, it okay, would be better okay. than talking about this 15-second moment in this movie. Taking care of business. <laughs> see, because she's shitting. You see? You see, folks? You see? You get it? You know what? BTO? This... This upcoming moment would be better served with shit noises played over top of it. <laughs> Honestly, yes. If we could have saved the shit shit noise, if this scene could have been happening concurrent, like if if he's talking to Sandra Bullock at the party and then she has to run off and take a shit and then he is having this next interaction, but it's all blurred out by the sound of her shitting, or if during the shitting scene the driver of the RV happens to be this individual <laughs> who he goes and talks to, and it's like, I mean, worse because I don't know. 
honestly, then then that would be probably a much funnier scene. Like that scene suddenly is more interesting than the rest of the movie. Not that not that she's <laughs> taking a shit, but that like, why is this guy driving a Winnebago on like All the right. expressway? All right, so. I, I, say who it is. Don't use that flaming garbage pile piece of shit's name, though. I, the 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 person uh, the person who Hugh Grant runs into at the party is the forty fifth president of the United States. Uh, the guy who uh, is famous for making the Republican Party, which had previously been a totally great organization that was not at all racist, a totally racist white nationalist organization. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Donald J. President as one of the You're, nominators. Time's of the, up. We know who he is. Just yeah. Okay. So yeah. Stop so he's there. Do- Donald J. President. He and he and and he and Hugh Grant. Like Hugh Grant sees him and 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 chats with him. They have like a back and forth. And I I I knew Landon going into this movie about about the New York property market that 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 Donald J. President was probably going to be in the movie. And, and he I, was mentioned very early, early on. on. Like he's, they want to, they want a property, but they can't because that fucker has a uh, line on, you know, some sort of inside track to, he, to get it. He's he's fl- you know he's flat out list- like he's kind of in some way the impetus for her cozying up to Hugh Grant because it's like oh this the president wants to uh wants to buy the site and he's gonna bulldoze the thing but if Hugh Grant buys the site and promises not to like it's let's, not, let's also not call him president <laughs> okay okay so uh, uh uh so anyway use um, any expletive you want <laughs> okay. Just- Okay. Uh, yeah. The Let's uh, see you next Tuesday. All right. That uh, uh, Drumpf basically is is there, and I was just expecting. Okay, they're gonna have this. Uh, like I, I was expecting he'd be in it and just like a one off shot or like oh hey there or something like like the classic the Home Alone two where he's just like oh which way is this thing and he points him oh it's right. over there and then he walks out of frame whatever. It's it they they he and Hugh Grant exchange like three or four lines. And there's a lot of words said between them. And it's also talking specifically about Sandra Bullock's character and Drumpf saying, oh, like, I'm going to steal her away from you or something, which is gross. And but it's like it's just the, the conversation, I'm sure, is 30 seconds max. But it is so excruciating to see it's it's watching it it's it's like watching and i'm sorry for this analogy truman but it's truly this bad it is like watching someone vomit in slow motion yeah okay no i agree i agree it's like that i it's like because also take take out of it the fact that this individual uh was the chief executive of the united states for four years and 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 presided over all kinds of all kinds of terrible things you take that aside seeing him in this in this role and having him say these plot specific dialogue about like oh did you you know oh are you going to the groundbreaking for this thing tomorrow or whatever like thinking just about the process on set of like him having to be fed these lines one by one and that he probably it probably took them like eight takes for him to string the sentence together properly and say the thing he needed for them to get the shot and like thinking about like i i i forgive hugh grant Every travail of this movie for having to endure whatever he did on this scene in this set on oh this set God. for this scene. It's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. It's, let's and, stop talking about it. Yeah, let's, let's stop talking about it. it. So, so yeah, but it's just it's a shocking thing to see that out of nowhere. Call us a couple of soy boys. I don't even care. It's um, it's bad. It's like in the no no. We're gonna talk about one more thing. Oh, the God. guy is okay. in Home Alone two, 
because they're shooting in one of his properties. Yep. And it's a well-established rule that if you shot on one of his properties, if you're shooting a movie, he he like he would only sign the paperwork if you let him be in the movie in a scene. And they don't seem to be on one of his properties in this scene, unless I'm well, misreading it. Uh, oh, are they? Yeah. They, they uh, are. The house of George's brother lives in is actually one of Garbage yeah. Pile, Puke, Puke Pile's homes. Uh, shit stain lent his Westchester home to the product uh, uh, production and a shot and shot a cameo for the film. Okay, okay. Well, then it makes it. Well, that makes it better. Then it, it's at least it's not like the movie wasn't using his properties, but like someone was like, "Oh man, I love this guy. He's gonna be on the show called The Apprentice in two years, and it's totally gonna be yeah, a hit." Like that's but, that's better that they had to do it. Retroactively, actually, Truman, you know what I just realized? <laughs> what did you realize? <laughs> the scene of Hugh Grant and his brother in the bathroom in the shower is shot inside of <laughs> inside of his house. Oh God. So wait. <laughs> so so are you saying that that makes that scene more uncomfortable that the two brothers are close together I mean, while nude, or does it make it more funny that the plumbing is so bad in this in this yes. house? Okay, it was like a legit, like uh, uh, just normal uh, restaurant toilet in yeah. there. Like it had the like LC uh, brand chrome, you know, flusher on the top of the toilet. Yeah, it's not a great looking bathroom, honestly. Like for the mansion that we see the car drive up to, the bathroom looks like just you're kind of I don't know. Like if I if I stayed at like a mid range hotel in a in a like in like Indianapolis or something, I would expect to see a bathroom of that quality. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, so that happens. That, go, that's there. Let, let, just move forward to the, like the cameo that follows right on the heels of it. That okay. lifted my spirits. So after this, after this conversation, Hugh Grant then looks across the party and he sees, uh, he sees Sandra Bullock there in her nice dress with her hair done up, wearing makeup, and it has this, like, he is struck dumb by the fact that Sandra Bullock could be beautiful. He's never once considered that this quite attractive woman who has been his employee for, like, a year and a half could maybe be hot. I, uh, 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 yeah. um, but so as Meanwhile, they, they, spot, they spot each other and are walking towards each other and... A song, <laughs> a little little piano starts, a little slow piano, and a, a smoky, Just jazzy voice the way comes up. You look tonight. <laughs> uh, wrong, wrong song. Uh, it's the nearness of you. Oh, right, the nearness of you. I don't know the I don't know the words to that one. <laughs> uh, and. It, it's the studio version of the song, so I thought it was just like the music swelling in a, a romantic comedy moment, which it is. But then we get a second cameo, just like complete whiplash going from complete rotted gutter of a cameo to the effervescent angelic cloud that is Nora Jones at a piano. This probably... Like this is a movie that includes multiple shots of like old ass flip phones or rudimentary proto texting, <laughs> but nothing is more two thousand two than a Nora Jones cameo in your movie. <laughs> uh, listen, <laughs> I don't even care that you are dating her in that way. Uh, I, she is uh, the best thing in this movie. I am not. I am not trying to take anything away from Nora Jones, who is very talented and a wonderful musician. I'm just saying there was a time that she was relevant. <laughs> it's true. It's true. In <laughs> fact, this movie, I think it might be the only time that rivals 
uh, Nora Jones and Vanessa Carlton had music together. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because wow. Vanessa Carlton appears on Big Yellow Taxi. Uh, God, don't don't mention it again. Um, but yeah, so you know, we get this this brief cameo from her playing her song and singing as the two of them walk towards each other, and it's just kind of interesting to me that there's no interaction between them. Like you got, like also we don't even know if Nora Jones is on set or if they just had a second unit crew go to her house and film her at a piano and then splice that in because there's no wide shot <laughs> of her playing or of people around her. It's literally just Hugh Grant sees Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock sees Hugh Grant. They're like walking towards each other. Oh hey, Nora Jones playing a piano somewhere in the universe. Listen, they got Cumstain to be on set for a cameo. I think it really comes down to just having a shitty first-time director who's like asks asks her to come and gives her a big setup, but only shoots her in a close-up. And so when she's at the premiere, she's like, "Did I even have to be there that entire day for that shoot? You could have <laughs> just filmed me at home in my studio." I was I was in makeup and on set for every day of that seventeen-week shoot. I didn't know I was only going to be in that scene. <laughs> Nora, Nora, Nora Jones has been standing just off camera in every other scene of the movie. <laughs> I, Mark, oh are you Lord. sure? Are you sure this is necessary? Yeah, it's all part of my craft. This is great. <laughs> You're gonna be a star, honey. Um, um, let's let's speed through the rest of the scene because we're getting long here. They 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 yeah they talk uh, and are it is very clear that there is mutual attraction between them now. Uh, Judy comes up and is talking to them, and then she inadvertently mentions to Sandra Bullock that they're going to knock down the community center. Sandra Bullock uh, leaves angrily, and Hugh Grant and Judy leave angrily. Well, no. They, Hugh Grant leaves sadly slash hornily with Judy. Um, <laughs> so many adverbs. I, I you know what yeah that's that's it was 2002 anything was possible we're throwing adverbs all over the place there's one <laughs> other thing from this scene the scene ends yeah. with actually what I think might be the funniest moment from the movie once again filmed okay. in a wide shot when when Sandra oh, Bullock yeah, I know what you're talking yeah when Sandra Bullock blows <laughs> up so at, at him and she she says like what why they're gonna knock down the community center we have to talk about this and he says oh well you know can we talk about it later because I I, I believe that they're about to fire a man out of a cannon into a vat full of ice cream and whatever they they you know that that line is dropped and they fight and they leave and then we just end with this wide shot of the outdoor area where the party is and we just hear an announcer going I mean I'm, I'm even trying to find what the specific line was it's like his line is line was all right everyone the ice cream is about to be served three two one boom and, and then you just see an explosion and a little guy do a little arc and into a vat of ice cream all done in a wide shot it is the best shot of the movie a very wide shot just lands in the ice cream and you see like ice cream splatter <laughs> all from a single very wide shot and again if you like a, a, a better director would have put in insert shots of the man in the cannon, the cannon firing, the guy landing in the thing. But somehow the awkwardness of just seeing a little bit of this, like part of the action that they had to set up to get this to happen. Part of the action is blocked by other shit in the frame. But it's just I think so this was funny. all visual effects. I, I actually think this might be the only <laughs> good touch the director had. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I cannot believe that this was intentionally this good like i, it I don't know i i think it would have been worse with all the the close-ups and process shots oh, of, I, of you know the sam I, raimi shots of getting him in there i, I agree it would have been worse with the close-ups and the process shots i just don't think that the director knew that that like i, I, I don't know <laughs> i i think all that right. 
I, I don't know. And also just that this is like, this is kind of a big emotional scene and that it just ends with, with the sound. And like, honestly, the, the ice cream makes more of a bathroom sound like a, than Sandra like Bullock a, in the RV did. The Monty Python foot squishing the logo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, well, and now for something completely different. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I want to talk just briefly about um, the hotel scene that follows this, uh, where uh, the whole thing is Sandra Bullock walks in on Judy and Hugh Grant uh, getting it on, or about to get it on, what looks like they're about to do getting it on, Seems and like. says, I got a I gotta sex at my own apartment, so goodbye. Um, also, I'm sure that's a trailer moment, her walking in on their, in them in their underwear. Yes. It has to be in the trailer. Absolutely. And then saying, I got people, I got a man named Barry uh, in my bed, Barry in my bed. That's yeah. totally in the trailer. Uh, I don't know. That might be a little too racy for 2002. I'm not sure. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so, uh, well, I do think some part of that is in there. Yes. Um, but I just want to bring this out for one of my favorite lines of the movie, where Judy is now, like, seducing Hugh Grant, and, mm-hmm. um, or maybe not seducing, but, like, playing the flirting game. You know, she's in his apartment. She's kissed him on the elevator. Like, mm-hmm. this is going in that direction. And so she's flirting around, and she sees the chessboard that he was playing with Tony earlier. And she goes, "Oh, you like chess?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I play plays chess all the time." Um, she goes, "Well, you know what I like even more than chess?" <laughs> and he goes, "Pokemon." <laughs> <laughs> Apropos of nothing, really good, really. And it good. wasn't even like they haven't even like been playing up her age that she's young i mean granted the age difference is there he's 40 and she's like 20 but just the fact that they pulled pokemon out of nowhere really made me laugh it was a non sequitur that just didn't feel like it belonged in this movie but really got me good i think his two best lines in this are are asking for milk duds and saying (laughs) pokemon it's just it's just hearing hugh grant talk about uh talk about uh i don't know um uh, just normal american things well do you like pokemon blue or do you <laughs> like pokemon yellow <laughs> I, I, I tend to go for red myself i, I i'm just I, i'm so t- terribly sorry to, to bother you i was just uh, wondering uh, he, uh when you go to uh, buffalo wild wings uh do, do you do you prefer the cajun tater tots or, or do you instead uh, just go straight to the uh, Western teriyaki barbecue burger? What 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 does one order at a Pizza Hut? Uh, no 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 uh, no. Let me just uh, just uh, I, I I'm so sorry. When when attending the uh, the hockey match, uh, does the foam finger go on on one's left hand or uh, or, or on the on the right hand? I can only think of other food ones. I'm just going to have them go to Taco Bell and order a, a bean burrito. Uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, ter- I'm terribly sorry. Could I, could I uh, trouble you for possibly a, a Baja Blast? <laughs> oh, my God. I, um, excuse, excuse me. Okay. I just, I, I'm sorry. I'd just like to buy one ticket for Shen Yun, uh, A Thousand Years of History Revealed. <laughs> like to know all about the history of the Falun Gong, if that'd be possible at all. Um, okay, so... We, any- we need to wrap this up by talking about the final 
the scene, right? The clincher, the thing that all people watch romantic comedies for, the weepy yes. scene, the yes. you know, the speech that brings the two together in their final moment of I love you's. I and, uh, I'm I was I was really um just so uh moved by Scott Bakula's performance on uh, NCIS New Orleans. I I'm so okay, yes, the weepy scene at the legal aid office. <laughs> I'm losing my Hugh Grant impression, which means we have to stop. Yes, I think so. Um Okay, so a couple things leading to this scene. You know, we have the the breakup scene basically where you know, she's been acting up a bit intentionally to to you know, um she throws that meeting out the window with his brother. He drags her out by her arm and mm. uh holds her, you know, d- telling her like what are you doing? Everything like leads up to this scene where, you know, it it pulls the moments from the film that have I'm using a lot of air quotes here. <laughs> Brought them together, uh, even though the film I don't think really pulls that off. Um, he shows up at her work. Mm-hmm. She's uh, out of you know the Wade Corporation now, and she's working at a legal aid uh, place. And more like Grant- legal Wade, because it's the Wade Corporation. Go on, Landon. So she's working at the legal aid place. She's providing community service. Grant shows up at her work. Again, like a psycho, <laughs> mm-hmm. and decides, I'm going to interrupt this important work you're doing and read you the speech I gave at the uh, teardown ceremony of the community center. And mm-hmm. he starts reading the speech. And naturally, the speech goes from, you know, the actual speech he gave to, you know, metaphors about how he feels about her and then uh, more explicit you know, uh, how he feels about her. Mm -hmm. And at one point in the metaphor portion of this, he starts talking about the community center as a metaphor for her and her personality. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget, in an earlier scene, in the breakup scene, he calls her a boring saint that no one wants to be around. Yes. Let's not forget that. I will not forget (laughs) Uh, that. Let's also not forget that at no point in the movie has she really shown herself to have... Like, I'm not really sure what we're falling in love with, necessarily. Like, she's clearly a passionate person. Yeah, like, either way, I don't see what the attraction is. Like, I'm not having fun hanging out with these people. Yeah, okay. Go on. Or not self-dependent. It's it's codependency? Interdependent. Codependency. Thank you. Yes. So, so in the speech, he compares her to a broke-ass building, basically. Mm -hmm. Yes. You're a little rough around the edges, which... Goes in contrast to what he was saying about her being a perfect angel uh, in a previous scene. But you're a little rough around the edges, but if you look a little bit closer, it's quite beautiful. And she just, like, falls in love. She melts at this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know. It's it's, – my note here was, Grant, you are a disgusting piece of shit. (laughs) Sandy isn't crying. Like, this is a moment when the, the, you know – protagonists are typically crying at the profession mm. of love but she's not crying here um because she's it i don't know her her will here feels like it's been completely broken down by yes. his psychological torture mm-hmm. like th- she's finally broken away from a toxic situation he shows up unannounced at her job and then gives her more psychological torture she just like she's been completely broken down and needs to be rebuilt up in the uh, forthcoming relationship that they're about to have. (laughs) Yes. To the point where he's like, okay, it didn't work, and he leaves, and she's with uh, her co-workers, and my entire notes here just go into all caps going, uh, 
don't do it, Sandy. Wait, wait a minute. Don't do it. Don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, uh, don't bring yourself down to his level. It was not a sp- perfect speech. Wait, God damn it. Don't do it. Don't do a thing. Uh, oh, I said, don't do a wait a minute. And yeah. my, the wait a minute was don't run out the door saying, wait a minute. Yeah. And I'm telling her, don't go, don't go do that. Don't go do a wait a minute. Mm-hmm. But, but, but just like a film noir movie, you already know people are doomed. Uh, she's going to go do it. <laughs> she does a wait a minute and I mm-hmm. hate it. Yeah. She runs out the door for no reason that the movie's given us at this point yep. to believe that she would do a wait a minute, but she does, and they kiss on the, the street, and she goes, maybe you're right, maybe I need to change. Now, when when she embraces him and she starts talking about all these things and saying, maybe I need to change, maybe this, 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 that, as she's saying all these things, this is when he grabs her lips and forces her mouth closed. So the woman <sighs> who he who he loves will stop talking because women be talking too much. <laughs> the, it was uh, all, it was a hard way to end this romance. Well, and then it's it's even harder when then they start kissing and we do like a 360 degree pan around them kissing and it's just like and like a, 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 almost a okay, this is where the big yellow taxi started playing, uh, but the opening the opening of it is just this and like is did porn music just start? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the most... Look, if this movie was a porno, suddenly I would grade it much more favorably. Like, it w- everything would make more sense. The weird, the weird, uh, out-of-place, very detailed shitting stuff. Donald Trump making an inexplicable cameo, something he has done in pornos before. Uh, and then uh, the, the kind of, uh, shall we say, patriarchal attitude. All of that makes sense in the context of pornography. <laughs> Two seconds notice. Oh, um, <laughs> okay. Do you, do you have more that you want to say about the ending? Because I have a major point that I want to make about the ending. Please, no, make your point. We're so, at the end. This is final closing thoughts, man. So Hugh Grant has, you know, we we see him at the destruction ceremony for the thing for the community center, and he's looking at his speech. And then we cut to legal aid, and he goes there. He makes this whole speech to her. And he's, re- you know, can I read you the speech that I made at the thing? And he's following her around, reading it to her. She doesn't want to give him the time of day. In the course of the speech, you know, at first he's talking about what an important building it is. What, and then he says, and that's why this building will not be torn down. It will not, you know, we're not going to tear down this building. And so the movie leaves us with the impression that he has, that the that the community center has been saved. Indeed, after the credits, we see a like a postcard photograph. Okay. I was going to ask you, center. but. Okay, so no, we don't. Yeah, we do, but we um, like so he, it, it leaves us with this impression that like part of the thing is like, oh, it's the big victory, the community center, the most important thing to her has been saved. Like that's because now he's quit his company. Like he says that now I'm going wait, to be wait, very wait, poor. Wait. No, no, no. Uh, so but the thing is, <laughs> what? How does that like? What? What is like? They had the wrecking ball there. Hugh Grant doesn't yeah. seem to have any authority at the company, so he just yeah. says we're not going to knock down the building. But the company won't be solvent if they don't knock down the building. But we're then being led to believe that they don't knock down the building. Why? Just because the brother of the guy who runs the company says we're not knocking down the building? That's fucking legally binding now? Like, I don't now, understand. Now, hold on. Hold on a How minute. How did he save oh, wait, the building? Wait, wait, wait one minute. Okay. I, I don't think he does. I yeah. don't think he saves the building. Yeah, he saves the, the building. The postcard at the end 
is the tower where the community center used to be. No, land, and the postcard at the end is the community center's facade with the tower growing up out of it. So it's implied that the community center has been built into the tower. If you look down at the bottom, there's the waterfall thing on it. The building looks like utter crap. It's a it's a shitty design. It's really bad. Yeah, but it's the, not, I mean, I'll, yeah, it's certainly not... Uh, all right, I'm pulling this up. Yeah, it's it's no this. it's it's no Chrysler building. But no, it is the it is the community center. It's a one-story building with a kind of a distinctive look to it. And then there's this tower rising up behind it and now it looks as though they've incorporated like the roof of the of the community center is now a swimming pool. Um so it seems Oh, okay. So this this okay, I'm just uh, I'm looking at it now and I kind of see what you're talking about and I want to compliment you on an earlier point you made which was this would sell a lot better had they done a better establishing shot uh, when she's trying to save it at the beginning of the film. Yes. Like, I had no visual context for what I was seeing. It just looks like they built the tower. Yes, yes. And also, and again, we're criticizing, like, you have to watch the whole credits, which, mind you, A, have big yellow <laughs> yeah, taxi playing. Two seconds. And then, and that B, the credits have arguably the worst font I've ever seen in my life. It's like if Papyrus and Comic Sans got together and got drunk and one of them got pregnant and then a witch cursed them and that baby <laughs> is what this font is. It's the worst fucking font. But they, but the, the, at the end, they show you it and it's like, so it's yeah. the lot where the building is. It's this, it's one tower and it's the community center directly in front of the tower and then everything all around it is massive, massive park. And so, as an urbanist, I think that's great. Public green space is wonderful. It's a great thing. I support that. But the whole argument that the brother has been making is we need every square inch of this lot to be able to to sell as real estate so we can make back our investment. You, you Like, 90% of the lot is just pu- a public park. Really, Hugh Grant's <laughs> brother? Like, what was your... You, you really were going to knock down the community center for that? So, the, the basically, the end of the movie is just, hey, the thing the movie's about, eh, it's not it's not a thing anymore. Nah, it's not, don't worry about it. It's good. Just don't think of it. It makes sense if you don't think about it. Don't think about it. That's I, I think this movie from start to finish is just yelling at us to not think about it too much. Yeah, yeah. And and here here we've done the opposite. We have thought about it and recorded a podcast about it that is longer than the movie. So uh g- good job. Yes. Good job, friends. We've done it again. That's that's always what we do here. Um, okay, I got one more note, and then we go into our trailer game. Yes. Um, I want a moratorium on Papa's Got a Brand New Bag in yeah. romantic comedies. Yep, yep. I no, don't... More, no more needle drops of James Brown. Uh, <laughs> you don't like that? Things that are changing. You... <laughs> we're, we're hitting the second arc, or second, uh, second act, fun and games portion. A, m- a moment ago, I thought that Papa had the same bag as he's always had. However, this song is making me think maybe there's a different bag in the mix. <laughs> maybe things are changing here. Um, I'm. That's my request. Uh, yeah. That's my big thing that I took from this movie. Yeah, that sounds good. I I, I second it. Uh, we should do that. <laughs> Twenty-year-old movie. This movie's twenty years old, Truman. <sighs> this this movie can almost drink. And boy, does it need it. <laughs> oh, dear God. This movie is about as old as Judy is. Oh, God. This this movie <laughs> this movie could be drafted and sent to, I guess, any of the wars that were going on at the time that it was made. Or, or you know, uh, dodge that draft. <laughs> nah, true, true. Much like, presumably, Sandra Bullock's parents did. Um, oh, I was okay. thinking of another shitbag cameo, but... Oh, I um, see. Yes, yes. This movie could claim to have bone spurs. Yes. 
Um, so we, okay, we're gonna play the trailer game now. So um, as we all know, this is where we play the trailer and uh, we see how many trailer moments we guessed right. Do you want to get any last trailer moment guesses in before we uh, okay. watch this trailer? Okay, so I'm gonna join in with you in saying that the haircut in the belt definitely is gonna be there. Shot of okay. Sandra Bullock clinging to the wrecking ball. That's gonna be one of the establishing like. Oh yeah, good. Luke, we gotta Lucy introduce the characters. Was a hardworking right? lawyer. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, what what do we do to introduce uh, Hugh Grant's character? What do we get to introduce Hugh Grant's character? That's probably going to be oh man, uh, probably something of him at the. Probably something of him at the at the initial benefit talking to yeah talk, I, mean, I think it's the one where oh, he talks the, to the woman and says will you sign my will, will you sign my GQ and he said oh I thought that was an anatomical term or something like that like I that that might oh, be the line. okay that or the you don't think the pediatrics line I don't think that that's that's too that that you got to pay too close of attention for that okay. to work all right um, we need a we need a moment where we see them come together what's the meet cute what's the the interaction moment. Uh, the interaction. I mean, like it's probably them on them on the them on the the mattress. Probably. Uh, I, that's I, that's definitely the fun and games part. I know that moment has to be in the trailer where he's okay, bouncing then, around on his back. Oh, then but it's the, it's like, it's her in his limo. Then I think them like and him offering her the job. Ah, you know what the line is probably going to be is uh, uh, I know what you want and I'm not gonna, you know, give that to you. Uh, the sex, the sex line. Oh, I'd rather yeah, give you yeah. the sex. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely there. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. And I, then, then we go into the fun and games portion. So what do we got there? I I called out the um the oh I don't know if I called this part out. I think that a trailer moment is going to be her at the wedding and her phone rings. Uh yeah, wedding and her phone rings. I think uh I think her on the boat, her flopping around on the boat. Um, I think it's specifically oh, yeah. a shot of her almost falling over the back of the boat and Hugh Grant just catching her and pulling her back up. There's going to be a, sh- with the a shot. With a, I'm going to call this a hard cut to her passing out in his arms. Yes. Hard cut to her passing out in his arms. And I think probably there's also going to be a shot somewhere in there of them getting the salads and she is pulling like all of the stuff he doesn't like off of his salad and putting it on her plate. And oh, he's taking all I the beets off of that her. Moment. So yeah, I hate that too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But you're right. That's a good moment for the trailer. I got another one. Yeah. Um, when they start interviewing uh, for people to replace her, uh, he had they have that interview where he calls that lady pregnant. Yep. 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 Yeah. I think that's gonna be. Uh, I think that's gonna be a trailer moment. Okay. If, oh, I got if, another if, one. We didn't even talk about this scene. Uh, the Mets game when she oh. fucks up Mike Piazza catching the the pop up fly. Yeah. How could we forget that scene? That great, great scene. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, at some point, Landon, we're running the risk of just basically recapping the entire movie again. So well, we got to uh, get the get the um, the amount of points. Okay, the trailer moment. I think there's going to be. I think the 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 tennis scene is going to have the most trailer moments. Uh, mm-hmm. Her getting hit in the head. I think uh, her being uh, reciting the the uh, justices is going to be in there. Um, yeah. I don't think. Uh, maybe her walking in on them in their underwear in the hotel. I'm looking to see if I have anything else in my notes here for the trailer game. That's that's about it. Should we watch this trailer? Three, two, one, go. Damn it. <laughs> you nailed it. I am so sorry. Starts with it. My aunt is dying and it's uh, again. Oh Why don't you please... Continue. Oh my god. Not Lucy Kelson. Oh, that's a perfect trailer moment. How'd I miss that one? You were needy. 
She has a law degree from Harvard. You're my brilliant chief counsel, who's always honest with me. Well, then, honestly, I think you are the most selfish human being on the planet. Well, that's just silly. You met everyone on the <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a good thing. And an eccentric billionaire boss. Congratulations on the baby. Baby! Ah, you nailed it. Oh, the baby. You should check with me before you talk. What baby? Who's driving her to the edge. Hello? I just felt like a bit of a chitter chat. You are pathetic. This holiday season, the only way to get noticed... I'm not here to pick out a wife or to pick out your clothes. Oh, really? really? Sorry. ...is to give notice. No, Consider this that's my two weeks' notice. You're serious? Should I stay or should I go? You owe me three more years or I can stop oh, working anywhere insane. else. Just this morning, the attorney who was planning to quit reconsidered. What did Mr. Wade call? Mr. Wade never called. When? Maybe an hour ago. Make sure yeah. you massage his cloven hoof. There's something feeling a pain in my... Yep. Somebody asked me something. Name all the Supreme Court justices. Thomas God Ginsburg, Scalia, Stevens, Kennedy, Rehnquist, Suter, Breyer, O'Connor. <laughs> Is that right? God, How should God I know? damn it. But the hardest thing about leaving. There's some interesting prospects for my replacement. Oh, there you one. go. You got all the... Surprise. Yeah. Well, sex thing. We know. Sex. Hmm. I mean to thank you for that. No, no, no. Almost. Go. We didn't get thank that one. Thank you for one. the job. You're my role model. From Warner Brothers Pictures comes a comedy about two weeks. George asked me to go to the benefit with him tonight. Oh. Between two uh, people. We're not insane or anything, but my friend needs to use a bathroom. Oh my god. Wow. I didn't think they'd use the shit scene. I was not expecting the shit scene. Try to be the person that you could be. Why did you go and be the person you're supposed to be? To know what's happening to them. Alrighty. Alrighty. Sandra Bullock, Hugh Grant. She's not interested in money or superficial flattery or cheap glamour. So. Deleted. Yeah, what would I bring yeah. to the relationship? I think reshot is the chest notice. Yeah. She looks so peaceful when she's asleep. Huh. Like a doll. A doll with a sinus problem. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they cut it there or not? A the AOL, AOL keyword, two weeks notice. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. <laughs> wow. 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 Landon, I, I, I stand humbled before you, sir. I really thought that the Supreme Court scene, I thought that a joke about Supreme Court justices... Naming nine Supreme Court justices only to reveal that he doesn't know any Supreme Court justices. I thought that was too deep of a cut for a trailer, and I was well, wrong. I appreciate it. I, I got to admit, though, I'm shocked, absolutely flabbergasted, that the shocked. him bouncing around on the, the bed wasn't in Yeah, it. how did that not make it in? I don't I, know. I mean, that seems like a given. That's one of the most charming moments between them, the most, yeah. like, flights of fancy much. they have. Yeah. Oh, I know it's not, but like, if you're gonna sell the movie, I will say, okay, this I'm gonna say this about the trailer. Um, it made me f think it's a much more charming movie than it is. Yeah. Well, that's what a trailer does, you know. <laughs> well, true. You, you, so I would you, say you, it's a successful trailer. Yeah. Okay. No, in that regard, the trailer is better than the movie. It it makes us actually kind of invested in these people. They they really work for two and a half minutes. <laughs> oh. um okay so we played our trailer game uh we'll rely on our fans to tally up our points for that um okay i think we are just about done with this episode we got what what one more thing to cover uh, uh that uh, is our stammer uh, count uh, uh, yes the um uh, uh, uh stammer count for our, our film yes uh, this week this week the stammer count folks landon do you want to guess what I do. I, I do want to guess, but I, I want to remind. I, I want to ask. We are only counting Hugh Grant's stutters, right? That's correct. That's. I think I've been very clear over the course of this podcast. We are only counting stammers by Hugh Grant, not by anybody else. People keep writing okay, in and right. saying, "Why? Oh my God! Why? Why were you not counting the boys' stammers in about a boy?" And it's like, well, because he's not the one. 
Yeah, I he's don't not. Know. I, it's it's not Nicholas Holt's work. It's yeah, not it, Holt work. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. Work. I mean, that might be the next. That might be the next podcast we do. But that's not. That's not it. You know, we didn't. We were. <laughs> we get to do all the X Men films. And, and listen, let me t- let me tell you. In Small Time Crooks, Woody Allen stammers a lot in that movie. I didn't count a single blessed <laughs> one of those. Fucking, you're right. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Oh my we, god, we've been naming a lot of we've been naming a lot of unpleasant men. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you um, want to talk about American Beauty? Uh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, prefer the, uh, okay. not, uh, talk about uh, that film. Uh, yeah, so what do you think? Stammer the, the, count. Yeah. It's definitely lower than mm-hmm. we've, we've dealt with, uh, in the last, well, he didn't stammer too much in Bridget Jones, because no. I think he was playing a much more confident character there, but, um, wow, stammer count. It's lower than Notting Hill. I think everything on the planet is lower than Notting Hill, except maybe nine months. Um, yes. Wow. Ah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with 18. Oh, Landon, you still overshot. It's four. Four? Yep. It's okay. four. I really overshot that. Now, remind me how you're counting a stammer again. Is I, any- it each... Each individual restarting of a word, or is it you? Are you grouping the stammers together? I, I, so if I, I go, I, 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 is that one stammer, or is that six stammers? I, I'm ca- I'm counting that as one stammer because otherwise, like oh. Notting Hill, I would have reached a number that that is not countable. Like that's the well, that's, that's the part problem. of the work part of our title. Well, Landon, sometimes there's more work than one man can handle. Um, <laughs> so no, so he does. He, and even then, so he does, you know, he does some individual stammers when he's talking yeah. to his brother up front. And then, but then really, he is pretty confident and with it for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it's really just coming later in the film when he Almost is lethargic. like having, yeah, having emotional Almost. conversations with uh, Sandra Bullock. That's when we get the remaining stammers in there, like after the, after mm-hmm. the party, pre ice cream shooting, basically. And then some in the break room. <laughs> ice cream shooting is not a euphemism for anything no no um, no, no, no it's not <laughs> four wow that still seems pretty low i, I mean man I, we're going into he's got to be okay so just guesses for for love actually. love actually we're going into like he's playing you know the prime minister a, a character with a lot of power but i think i my guess is he's gonna counterbalance that with his stammering i think he's gonna make the prime minister a relatable character by showing him to be down to earth and a stammering fool especially because it's all about confessing his love for someone i I think that it's probably going to be a higher stammer count than this episode but it will probably be closer to like 10 or something like that because as i recall as someone who watches love actually every year i think that he uh, you know there's going to be some in there but not uh you know not not a huge amount. He's not going to approach Notting Hill levels. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Truman, do you have anything else that uh, we didn't cover that you'd like to? No, I think we very thoroughly covered the film Notting Hill. Well, we, we did thoroughly cover the film Notting Hill. We even more thoroughly yeah. covered the film Two Weeks Notice, and I have nothing <laughs> left to say. We do, except um, I, I still think her mom, Dana, uh, Dana Ivy, is the... Uh, Hero of the movie, the only person with a sound head on her shoulders. Uh, um, well, the head may not be on her shoulders anymore if uh, if Hugh Grant's <laughs> mafia contacts, if his Mickey Blue Eyes contacts disposed of her so that he could uh, get with uh, Sandra Bullock the way he wanted to. Forget about it. <laughs> That's so fucking funny to me. 
Yeah. 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 All right. Gotta love Mickey Blue Eyes. All right. Let's get out of here, Landon. Okay. Grant work is made possible by our patrons. If you want to help us create the show, uh, consider becoming an official Grant Head sponsor over at patreon.com slash grantworkpod. Leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these episodes because it's the fastest easiest way to support us and it goes a long way to help others find the show stop by to say hi to us on twitter or instagram at grantworkpod or visit our website at www.grantworkpodcast.com slash jobs where you can also join our team <laughs> and get a grant work career um now uh, un- unlike unlike hugh grant in this movie we will hire you even if you're not a beautiful woman that's that's the grant work promise and we won't we won't hit on you either we we will make you test out mattresses but not in that where way you find other information on today's movie and sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released and until next week when we bring you love actually, love actually. I was trying to think of the Mariah Carey song. My brain has blocked it out, but until then... All I want for Christmas is you, Landon. (laughs) All I want for Christmas is you. I've been Landon Solano. Fuck, that's good. I've been Truman Caps, and remember, if you've just been hired in a new company and the person who you're replacing who hired you is trying to take a stapler home and you know that that stapler is company property, maybe don't be a stickler for policy and just let her take the fucking stapler already. (laughs) 